She's going to be the poster child for this. Yeah, because her husband, what's his name, Massimo? <laughs> the guy who does the Ma had the Massimo clothing empire? From Target? That's who she's married to? And County Seat, if you're like a guy like me and you, you're shopping <laughs> oh, at the mall. I had some nice. jean shorts from County Seat, brother. <laughs> I had some jean shorts from the County Seat. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the feature presentation segment part of the show where I sing about movies. And in particular, this topic is going to be about 80s, the most 80s moments in film. Aren't you excited? It's the feature presentation. I'm at Libby. <laughs> that is always a treat. <sighs> it really genuinely is. Fantastic. Hey, welcome to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I am one of your hosts, the rental king, Ron Avis, the host on your left. And I am your host to the north, Adam Peterson. Hey, and don't worry, I've been drinking, folks. And I still know things. And outstanding. Okay, uh, this is the feature presentation, in case you didn't catch that just from my beautiful singing intro there. Uh, <laughs> that Which I'm just going to continue did, that to was do amazing. For, the, for the rest of time. Because you, I, might, I might have to obligate myself on something else, because as infrequently <laughs> as we do movie Mad Libs, like I've only had to do that six times. Yeah. And I know that you've had to sing more than six times. Uh, you know, have have you have I really though? I don't know. It's it's kind of close. It's it's not so lopsided, I don't think. Maybe but, if we just keep if what we'll do is we'll we'll have a dedication to doing movie mad libs more yeah. frequently than we have. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Because I, I have lots of books and I'm I'm gonna order some new ones. Uh, and, and you just recently did a movie Mad Libs, like we had like the Wizard of we Oz had some fun and Toy Story, like we had some fun. So we'll 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 do more movie Mad Libs, and uh, I'll just keep doing the feature presentation jingle until someone says stop, or I'll stop listening. <laughs> if we start listening, if we start losing listeners, I'll probably quit. But yeah, that's a threat but, to our <laughs> current listenership. But be honest, if you stop, be honest, you guys enjoy it. You love it. You're, we know you love it. You're tuning in. You're hoping when you when you see we're adorable. After we did um, our in between show, like our our you know uh, coming attractions, and you know for a fact that feature presentation is the next the next podcast coming up in your feed, you're just you're you're tingling with anticipation, giddy with giddy with excitement <laughs> on pins and needles, as pins they say, and needles. Uh, but yeah, so this is, since this is the feature presentation, and you probably caught from the uh, title of the episode, this is um, uh, another entry in our Moments series that we've done. Moments. Uh, and I, I really enjoy these episodes. Uh, th- this is the most 80s, 80s moments. <laughs> the, and I can I can go ahead. I know that you're, I, can, I feel confident speaking on your behalf on this. Yeah. This is the first of the most... 80s 80s moments oh my god that we will do because this is a topic we will revisit yes now i i am let, let's just let's let's just gauge how 80s we actually are 
I know you were born in the early 80s, I guess we'd say. 83. Early, yeah. So you you had a good six to seven years living in the 80s. Would you you had the whole 80s. I had the whole 80s. Like, I was born in 76. You got the like, whole 80s experience. I, I, I could say I was an 80s, a 70s baby, but I was an 80s kid. So You were. But what would you consider yourself? Like, would you would you tell someone you're an 80s kid or a 90s kid? Um, I, I feel like, uh, because being born in 83, they can't like, cause I, I think on some scales, um, some of the looser scales, I could be considered a, uh, a very late, uh, Gen Xer yep. on a lot of scales. I would be a millennial. Yeah, I and I think they ended up, they came up with a, like a, an X annuals. Like they had this kind of crossover because yeah. there was this shared. And I feel, I feel like that one fit the best. Because is that I think, the whole I think like born in analog, but like raised in digital. digital? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you were born in like '77 or beyond, like you technically fit that. So, yeah, but like I don't even hit that cutoff. Like I'm like 100% Gen X, like pure yeah. Gen X. Like I'm pure uncut heroin Gen X, <laughs> black tar Gen X. <laughs> for better or for worse, I'm Gen X. I would say you're totally millennial, but you you have the heart of a Gen Xer. I do. I actually uh, have the heart of a um, what is the one before boomers? I have a really bad heart. <laughs> I don't even know? Did they probably even say that, that you the were... greatest generation? Whatever the the yeah, silence, that might have been the great. Well, no, the... no, I thought the what was the yeah the greatest generation. You're right. You're right. The boomers were the offspring of the greatest generation. The ones who fought in WW two. WWI. That brings up a good point, though. You you do enjoy a lot of older movies, so you're you're not you're you're like pre heart, like you have the heart of a pre Gen Xer even. So I I don't I don't fit into a lot of boxes. It's that best not to try and label put you. Don't put baby in a box. It's 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 hard. It's really hard. Like if you want to like, I think we'll put him over here. It's like, mm, are you sure? Yeah, are you sure you want to do that? Because I might go over here too. Hmm. I mean, he he has fond memories of 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 Jumanji as a as a youngster, but he also likes to watch movies from the '60s. I so, do. I love '60s movies. Uh, a wonder. It's a Wonderful Life. One of your all time favorite movies. It's a great. I watch it every Christmas Eve. And if you're if you're a millennial, I can't say that that would be on your top one thousand list in most cases. No, I I don't think because I, I, mean, I don't think there's the a lot Santa of, Claus might be the oldest Christmas movie you might go back to, <laughs> which I, I I that's the thing I love that movie as well. One of, also one of time. your favorite movies. <laughs> that one might be that one for the longest time. If I had to re, I, I might have to reevaluate at some point. But for the longest time, when yeah. people would say, "What are your top five favorite movies?" The Santa Claus made the top five. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I've and watched you're it. Big into Christmas I watched it the other day. I noticed. Yes, but like as far as like eighties, like we both we have. We have some 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 clout, you know. Like we have, you know, like we we you you can look to us and go like we know eighties movies. Like we're we're big into the eighties flicks. We're from the streets. Yeah, we're from the eighties streets, baby. Yep. The Saint Elsewhere, the streets of Saint Elsewhere is yeah. where we come from. And you know, I I like to dig back into the eighties because the eighties for me that that's when I was like. I had an awakening for movies that, so like it holds a, a very dear place in my heart. And, uh, you know, like I, I consider like, you know, I was a kid in the eighties, but I, 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 my form, like my post child, like, you know, like 12, 13, 14, like in the nineties, the early nineties, I was still very young. So like, I still consider myself a little bit more, a little bit of an early nineties kid too. 
Oh yeah. If I may just kind of like extend a bit further. And I was, I've always been very childlike. I, I have never grown up. I got a no. Peter Pan thing going on myself. So, but like the eighties, I claim the eighties. I really do. And I, I just thought that it would be really fun. And you, you actually came up with the idea of the topic of, of just picking eighties, like eighties, eighties moments. Like just because I feel like what it does is it's, it's one of the, cause there's, there's a lot of times. And even as, as I was going through this, like I had to kind of coach myself because I was in the mindset, like, well, we've talked about this movie before we've talked. It was like, but I was like, no, this is what is this is the first time we're doing it. And these are movie moments from the eighties that, it was kind of a twofold thing. It was either like, this was such an eighties kind of thing. Like this. So re- this, whatever's in the scene represents the eighties or this movie as a whole just yeah. takes you back to the eighties in such a tangible way. Now our two lists are very interesting. Like I'm, you know, like we, we are recording remotely as some of you may or may not be aware of. Like we, we try to make it so that you can't even tell. Uh, but yes. we haven't had a video component to the Cinemasters universe in some time now, thanks to COVID-19. Which is good because I look, a, uh, well, I wish I looked more like Alan Parrish from Jumanji, <laughs> the uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. I was like, what year is it? But uh, that's at least how I feel. Agreed. Same here. So, you know, when, when so like we, we typically don't share lists ahead of time, but but for the sake of the format of this show, like I've seen your list and it's, you have. it's very interesting. Like, you know, like oftentimes when we, we come up with a list of a feature presentation show, we set parameters. Um, but in this case, we didn't really do that with one another. You know, we just kind of free for all. Yeah. We just kind of like what, whatever does an eighties, eighties moment means to you. We, our lists are a little different. Like they're all, they're, they're both very eighties. Obviously the par- one, the main parameters that has to be in eighties movies. I, we could definitely yes. agree with that. Uh, but I, I like I like your list, and I, I can tell you where my mind was when I was thinking '80s. So when when I reveal my ten, and we have no overlap, so you're going to get twenty unique '80s, 20. 80s moments. And that's sometimes we get some overlap, but in this case, we didn't. Uh, so when when I was thinking of my list, in my mind, I wanted to find moments that were so '80s, like just '80s moments, like only this could only exist in the 80s i this, like it this this is a moment that just you know it, it the 80s it's a byproduct of the 80s and if the 80s weren't what they were you would never have these scenes and uh, the 80s called and they want this moment back. <laughs> pretty much pretty much and with and what we'll do is we'll we'll reveal a scene we'll talk about the scene and then we'll try and play a maybe a short clip of the scene uh so it, there you know some of the scenes, for me at least, I'm not necessarily sure yours really kind of fall into this category, but for me anyway, there, there's a couple of like musical type scenes. Like I tried to avoid montage. There's a lot of montages going on in the 80s, like a lot oh, of montages. The 80s was big for montages. Right, right. Not just Rocky. You know, like you got like montages no. left and right. So everybody I, was montaging it. <laughs> so I, I trying to pick a, a scene. And so I may have to, instead of playing a scene or maybe I'll play the scene and I'll, we could describe what's going on in the scene. Uh, so we'll, we're just sort of playing this as we go. Uh, we, we've done moments type uh, episodes in the past. Like we did uh, musical moments, like movies that were enhanced by music. Uh, yep. We did 
uh, we did what, what was what was the we other? did horror movie? I think horror was the oh, first one. Oh yeah, did, yeah, it? horror. Like we we just we had our scary movies. Well, I don't think we specifically said horror. I think most of it was horror, but it was right scary right. scenes. Scary scenes. So th- this is just the latest in that volume in that series. And you you've laid out some excellent excellent topics for future episodes. I'm really excited to to explore some of these. Is like sometimes. Oftentimes, like we'll do lists of just movies, like we talk about a movie, but I, I enjoy doing this because we get to really lay out a scene for you. Yes. And, you know, maybe the movie isn't necessarily a movie that it's our favorite movie, but it's a scene that stands out. And in this, in the, in the construct of this topic, these are just 80s, 80s scenes. So without further ado, without further ado, uh, would you like to go first? Um, no, I'm a, you know what? You I'm want me to go first? Cause you get, cause between the two of us, I, I, I'm going to going back to the kind of your original point. I'm, I like to think I'm kind of a, well, I'm a bit of a time Lord in the sense that I yes. transcend time. But when you're talking eighties and nineties, I think I straddle the fence enough to where I w I would gladly, uh, defer to your eighties prowess. Thank you very much. And so in that, I think if we're going to do the most 80s, 80s moments. I feel like it is only right for you to kick it off. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much for the respect. Uh, You've given me the nod, and I I will gladly lead the charge. So coming right out of the gate, a very 80s moment from the 1985 film Weird Science. My very first 80s, 80s moment is the scene where Gary and Wyatt design Lisa on their Lisa. computer. <laughs> Very nice. I thought about that one. I thought oh about that one. Oh my god, that is such an eighties moment, and it's it feels so eighties because it kind of takes you back to a time when hacking meant just calling into a computer like mainframe. Yes, like this sort of you know nebulous mainframe. Like you didn't even know what it was. Like you just hooked a phone up and you tap on the keyboard and you're like hacking it. You're in and. Weird Science is such a great 80s movie. Like, I love it. It. I don't think it's a John Hughes movie. Is it? Was it written by yeah, John Hughes, is. but not directed by John Hughes or something like that? Anthony Michael Hall and the other guy. I forget the other guy's name. They decide they were going to they're, they're gonna design as, as like just kind of a goof, you know? You got some Robert Downey Jr. in there, too. It has Robert Downey Jr. in it. Kelly McGillis. Beautiful Kelly McGillis. Uh, I think that's the British actor who uh, the the model uh, Kelly LeBrock. Kelly, LeBrock. I just pulled it up. Sorry, sorry, not not Tom Cruise, not not Top Guns as Kelly McGillis. Yeah, written and directed by John Hughes. Oh, it was written and directed by John Hughes. Well, there you go. You got your Anthony Michael Hall connection there. So yeah, this is these two dorks, and they're they're having like a sleepover, and just just for fun, they're just like horny teenagers. They decide like, let's as a, an experiment, let's, let's just, let's, let's create the perfect woman. And, you know, they, they, they hook up their phone to the computer. They, they, you know, they're, they're kind of navigating the cyberspace <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're like coming into like security and they're, they're hacking and they're bypassing and they, they get in and I don't even know why, like, they have to connect to this mainframe to do this. Like, what, what is going on? Like, what they're they're writing this movie. Like, what is going through their head? Because make, of computers. Yeah, because of computers. And all the while, like, they're wearing bras on their heads, and they've got 
like like Frankenstein, you know, they've got like elect like electrodes connected to it, like a doll. Yes. <laughs> like it's gonna transfer to that. Um, I've not looked into the science behind it, but I feel like it's a little shaky. <laughs> it's a little shaky. But but that's so vivid because you know, like they're talking about like proportions of the of the woman and yeah. the scene where like the boobs just get gigantic yeah. and like they're it's like that be- that like perfect 80s vectory kind of wireframe yes. kind of graphics. The green and black. Yeah, green and black. <laughs> but but when I think 80s, I think 80s hacking, I think computers were just this magical fix-all wonderful thing that could happen like you just dial into a mainframe and and then stuff happens so i i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and play a scene and you're you're gonna listen and you're gonna hear when it when it comes to trimming your balls use the manscaped <laughs> 3.0 it is the best trimmer in the market for manscaped okay, so hey, look you know how you're talking about how you can simulate all that stuff have you got the trimming your balls you know? part what's the difference why can't we oh. simulate a girl I don't know. I I guess I can. Can you hear that, Adam? I can hear. Okay. <laughs> Did you hear the trimming your balls at? I know that, but you know we can we can use it. I was like, I don't remember that part of the movie. I'm sorry. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again. Canada. You'll remember that part. She was in Canada. Girls, no morals. I don't. I don't like that language. Let's let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead. The elusive Canadian girl. Just give her a break, okay? All right, let's give her. Okay, so here's your vector graphics of a brain and multicolor. It's like an Apple II computer, like kind of thing going on there. Well, and the and the the song, okay, the weird song. science song. <laughs> I can't believe this shit. I love that they're giving like so much thought into Did this. Did you get a free toaster with this too? Anthony Michael Hall is wearing a Cubs hat right now, by the way. All John Hughes movies take place in Chicago. Just in Sher- most of them are Shermer, Illinois. <laughs> Oh, they're hacking in. There goes the mainframe computers. We hacked the computer. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> they must have called Matthew Broderick first. Matthew Broderick did it more convincingly. He had a machine you could at least put a telephone on. <laughs> we got the big access denied. So, so what do they do? He bowls his way through. <laughs> exactly. That's how computers work. <laughs> anyway. Play the bowling sound effect, and that's yeah, how we'll hack. Yeah, but so that that's just like a short clip. But yeah, I, I when I think eight most eighties eighties moments, I just think about the part where the breasts get enhanced, and they're just huge. <laughs> like you said, the green and black wireframe. <laughs> oh, it's it's that is a very quintessential eighties moment. Ah, oh, yes, yes. So. So that that's just leading things off. Now now you have sort of an idea of where my head is at when I'm thinking most eighties eighties moments in in, in eighties films. For your well, I one think pick. what what I what I what I would like to um, acknowledge, and I think I think you did it perfectly. Is um, if you're if you're going to talk about the eighties, uh, and I'll, I'll here's here's a uh, here's a little sneak preview. There might be some more John Hughes that shows up no. in the list. <laughs> well, there ought to be. Yeah, but he was like the Godfather the, of the eighties. If if you're talking about the eighties, I don't. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are hallmarks of the eighties. There's yep. a lot of things that are like this is so eighties. But if you're talking eighties movies, John Hughes, I think just you're hands down. So I think yeah. I don't think we could have started an eighties movie scene montage any better than with uh, with a John Hughes one. Oh, so thank you very much. Well done, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
the uh, the first one the first one on my list um it's it's one of those i i think because it's another franchise that just calls back uh, it's funny because it's not set in the 80s at all mm, right, um, right but the 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 franchise itself is such is another one of those hallmarks of 80s for me and it was indiana jones yeah and i think yeah. in the entire catalog of everything indiana jones there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a handful of scenes throughout the three Indiana Jones movies that count, um, because there are four of them, but three of them count. Three uh, of them count. Yeah. Yeah. We, we try not to talk about the Shia LaBeouf. Yes. That, that one that happened. That one um, but, on vines and <clears throat> bullshit. I think I think the thing is in in a similar kind of in a similar fashion as how we kicked off this podcast, the way that they kicked off the entirety of the Indiana Jones lore, mm-hmm. the opening sequence of Raiders of the Lost Ark mm. with um, you with got the, the Paramount little, logo for God's sakes, the, and and you get the <laughs> you, you get the uh, the little golden idol, yeah. and the giant boulder. Yeah, and it was it's. I mean, it's been parodied by so many different things. Because I was going to say, such, it, you you can judge an '80s '80s moment strictly by how many times it's been parodied by Weird oh, Yankovic yeah. or others. Yeah, I mean, this and it's one of those <laughs> like I think even I mean it, you know it's it's uh, by people who were either long before or long after the '80s because they you know you. You could go on the YouTubes and see people because kids today love to react to things. Mm-hmm. They that's what they do. They're like, "Hey, here's a thing that was. Could you react to this thing?" Well, yeah, certainly. yeah, yeah, totally. This is one of those. I feel like if you got some kids together, like, "Oh yeah, I I don't know if I've seen that movie, but I know this scene." That's and I think it's just one of those like why Indiana Jones just will forever transcend time is because of this scene. There's other ones. There's you know the whole Kali Ma thing from Temple of Doom, and I thought yeah, about yeah. that one, but it's yeah, like, ah. Yeah. Oh, this one really just embodies Indiana Jones. Cool. So much so much better. Should I play the scene? Go for it. All right, let's play the scene. I think it should kick off with the eye. Guys need some ball shaving. Oh, we're going to get some shaving it's down. Manscaped. This episode's brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> the unofficial sponsor of this episode. <laughs> No, this this is the classic scene where Harrison has the the bag of sand, the bag of sand. He's sort of gauging the weight of the idol, and he just replaces it. And I, like you get that moment where like he's like, I got this. He's like, it, it works. And then it's like, right. that, just that little pedestal goes down. You're like, oh yeah. He turns around as to say it's over, and then boom, the arrows and if fly. You're not, if you're not paying attention. You will miss, I think, I believe it's the first ever appearance of a very young Alfred Molina. Ah. That's him right there saying, give me the idol. I love this. This is a classic movie trope where uh, the hero has to just barely evade the closing door, the very slowly closing trap door, Just, just barely. Indy was big on that one. Yeah, he was. He was. And that door is—it's closing so slowly. <laughs> Very like, oh, you got all day, man. They no, cut you're back fine. to the scene like three times, and like each time, like the door is higher. <laughs> than you're it like, was wait, before. is it opening? It might be opening. Maybe <laughs> I don't have to worry. Uh, this is a classic scene in a classic movie series. 
And of course you got the uh, wax figure. I don't know what that is. I guess it's like a dummy. Could it, it could the just spikes. be spikes. Yeah. Maybe Alfred Molina had a twin that they murdered in that scene. It this could has be. to be the scene you're talking about though, with the gigantic rock rolling down. Yes. The yeah. rock rolling down. This is a very eighties moment. Oh that it was just it was so perfect. He's running through like every single spider web there is. He runs through all the webs. <laughs> he got them all. And then of course he comes out the other end where his rival is waiting for him. So good, good was, movie, great, great flick, great scene. Love it. Indy was just he's he's one of those '80s icons that will, and it is. It's, I mean, the movie that deal again dealing with Nazis. More Nazis. I feel like yeah, yeah. I feel like the like it's unintentional. Like, if anybody's tracking it, the amount of times that Nazis come up on our podcast is just, there's we a lot of movies condone, about Nazis. We do not condone We are right. anti-Nazis. No, we don't. Just so it's just but, so it's on the record, but on, we are <laughs> anti-Nazi. we're anti-Nazis. Yeah, we're anti-Nazis. Just so you know. But on the other hand, great villains. They, they do they, make for great villains. They're like the perfect antagonists, you know? Whether it be old school Hitler Nazis or the neo Nazis, you know, just just any kind of Nazi fits the bill. If you need a bad guy, because there's there's only one group. I think there's only one group of Nazis, um, or there's only one group of people that like uh, Nazis or are sympathetic to Nazis, mm-hmm. and that is other Nazis, other Germans from that time so, period. Also, so just soup soup kitchen owners. Yes, uh, Manhattan. Uh, early '90s. Yes. Sympath- also sympathetic. Sympathetic to the uh, <laughs> to the, the Reich. Cause, yes. <laughs> the Aryan nation. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So I guess we will move on to my number two. Let's do it. Okay. So my number two most '80s '80s moment is a little flick from 1987, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura, Shane Black, and others. Carl ah, Weathers, yes. uh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> like they clasp the hands. That's not the moment, but no. My second most eighties eighties moment is when Shane Black is talking to Jesse Ventura. You know the beginning scene where they're sort of you meet the crew, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yes. crew, and they're they're kind of like they're kind of landing and they're, they're taking over like the base, like, you know, that whatever operation it was in some sort of jungle base. And, uh, uh, you see, so you, you kind of get to meet all of the characters, uh, what the, you get, you learn what they're about. You see what kind of gun that is that they prefer. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Shane black has like the, uh, the grenade shooter and like Arnold's just like an AK guy with like a, like Oh, a, totally. You know, like a kind of missile launcher thing on the bottom. Uh, uh, then you got Jesse Ventura, who's probably my favorite. He, his, his weapon of choice is a fucking Gatling gun. Design normally outfit like a, a helicopter would normally. Yeah, you put that on a helicopter. That's not <laughs> you something people just walk carry around a with. Gatlin gun around. Yeah, you don't have a concealed carry for that one. <laughs> uh, but my favorite '80s moment from uh, Predator is the scene where um, they're there. It's during the scene during the raid, and Jesse Ventura is hit, and Shane Black comes over to him, and he no- he notifies Jesse Ventura that he's hit, and he's like, "You're bleeding, man." And Jesse Ventura just spits out. He just that line. He's got like the tobacco, and he goes, "I ain't got time to bleed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And like nothing like just screams like eighties machoism more than like Jesse Ventura telling that he's Jesse like, the Body Ventura. Yeah, he doesn't have time to bleed. He's he's clearly bleeding, but just by sh- the sheer macho-ness of his of his wrestling DNA, like just the blood like I don't have time for this. No, you he know? doesn't. Just scab over already, will you? Because I don't have time to bleed. Before Let's just that, begin before- the healing process right away. Before that internet lady was like, ain't nobody got time for this. Jesse Ventura was like, no, I've I've already explained to you. I don't have time to bleed. No, exactly. I got time for a lot of things. I got time to, you know, like reorder the Sunday paper. Uh, I got, you know, I got time to shoot this gorilla guy, you know, with rockets up the ass. But I don't have time to bleed. Exactly. So no. I'm gonna go Bleeding's not on the list. Play that scene here. So, yeah, there's just a lot of gunfire, a lot of shooting. Just dug in like an Alabama tick. Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. There it is. <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> and that's Shane Black of uh, Shane Black writing fame, by the way. The guy who did Iron Man 3. And, uh, well, he, he he later did another. He did his own Predator. He did his own Predator. Yeah. A couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Which was a solid entry into the franchise. I, I in, dug in it. I dug it. I, I dug it a lot. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like. When you when you're talking '80s, you gotta you gotta talk Arnold Schwarzenegger and just like your stereotypical like macho movies. Um, I I just the Predator just fits it fits the it fits the bill, and uh, you know like I ain't got time to bleed. Just was just like the pinnacle of macho, and you know he he was in other Schwarzenegger flicks. Like he played what was it like Captain something or other in like the Running Man. The Running Man. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the guy, uh, but you know I, I did Jesse Ventura, and he, he, you know, he was the governor of Minnesota, of course. Jesse the Mind Ventura at that point. <laughs> at one point, uh, but but to me, he'll always be the body, and uh, he'll always be uh, that character from Predator with just waltzing around with his Gatling gun, as you do. And speaking of Gatling guns, have you ever seen that like footage? Uh, let's get topical. You know, you got the Tom Brady was. Uh, he he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a buck now. He's and a buck. Coming out of retirement, you got the Gronk. He's gonna be he's gonna be throwing passes to the Gronk like he did back in the old days in New England. There's a wonderful video on YouTube that you can search for where Gronk is holding a Gatlin gun and he's firing this this this. Damn I believe thing. I've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> he's he needs only like a guy like Gronkowski is strong enough to just sit there and hold this damn thing as he's just firing away and it's it's just like pure internet bliss. I love it. It really is. <laughs> it's like just watching that gun. <laughs> You're like I could watch I could watch people fire this gun all day long. This is what the internet's all about. Yeah. All right. So that that was my number two, sir. What's your number two? Here, I, because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up on the fly here because mm, I'm gonna mm, jump mm. down to since you have my list, I'm gonna go okay. down to three. I'm gonna switch two and three. Oh, so okay. we can keep it. Let's see what you're we doing. Keep here. it. We keep it kind of topical because okay, the, the lead in you you had you had Jesse the body Ventura mm-hmm. in the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, and I thought I thought about going Predator. Yeah, and I <clears throat> it was one of those that wasn't wasn't necessarily like I think Ron's gonna go Predator, so let me go a different direction. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I, I'm gonna go with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because just the the 80s were such a great time for just over the top, ridiculous action movies. They really were. It was that. I mean, it's peak. It was the the time. And it, I mean, like when I think like when you watch action movies today, 
we're so spoiled with everything that goes into it. I mean, you have like consultant, like military consultants yeah. and combat, like everything is perfectly choreographed. And oh fit. man, all these People things. Take, they take things seriously. Like Tom Cruise, oh, Keanu Reeves, like they, they go to like boot camps and stuff to be realistic. Every, everything is, I mean, to the tiniest uh, little detail, they, I mean, there's just so much effort, effort and emphasis poured into these action movies that we have today. Mm-hmm. Even the ones, I mean, like Hobbs and Shaw, which mm-hmm. I can't ever plug enough. I love that movie. That's good. Totally over the top. Totally yeah, it's ridiculous. It's very cartoony. It's it, it's like an eighties <clears throat> spirit to it. It it very much has that. Thanks but it's to the it, rock. It, yeah, <laughs> he, he's. He, I I feel like he is the the second incarnation. I would love to see him kind of. You know, take over that mantle of kind of like the Expendables and bring back a heyday. Well, remember just... the scene from the rundown where he sees Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, passes him in, in the, the very beginning. That was very much supposed to be, I think, like a passing of the torch. You know, yes, Arnold acknowledging that the Rock was like the new thing. He's got yeah, he's the up and comer, and right, and and so we have we have this this. Even in the cartoony sense or the outrageous sense of some of these action movies, there's still the production value is so over the top. It was like when you go back to the stuff that we had that was in the 80s and you're just like, this is, I mean, it's just, it's a free for all. It's like they got guns <laughs> and they got giant guys yeah. and they're like, just go around and shoot whatever Big you can. muscular guys with guns. Oh. That's what like people, fans in the 80s just ate it up. Oh, and, and Schwarzenegger, I mean, all the guys had, had the, the one-liners. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because of Schwarzenegger and his, his accent or what, but he, I mean, he just had so many, I, cause I thought about going with the, uh, the line from the commando where he, uh, you know, he's like, Oh, you remember when I told you I was going to kill you last? Yeah. And he, I lied. It was like, that's such a great scene. But I was, yeah. when I was thinking about commando, I just landed on, there was something so incredibly 80s about him putting all that body paint on. Yeah. That's supposed to make him look camouflaged that does yeah. not at all. Very it's 80s. Like, yeah. That's like something out of a video <laughs> game for sure. And he's just, he's loaded up with guns and he's just running across open yard as guys are shooting automatic weapons at him. I mean, hundreds of guys, it feels like. <laughs> and no one even comes, <laughs> no one comes close to him. I mean, he's shooting guys left and right. And he's, he's a like, huge target, by the way. Oh, like, he's, he's massive. <laughs> Not so and much he's not as a very scratch. Fast. No. And so he's not I just, zigzagging that, or anything. That whole scene. I mean, I think the it's it's really like the the ending of the film. So it's like ten to fifteen minutes long. Is this the I scene think where he clip, pulls up like in the boat or whatever? I, this uh, this I think has I, I think it has him because I pulled it up real quick. I think it has him I want to say it has him coming out of the the little shed, I think, okay, and okay, running okay. across. Because I, I just I just love the idea of him running across this lawn. <laughs> All right, let's play just it. Just fully let's, open. Let's play the scene. Okay, here he is. There's the machine gun. He just pulls his machine gun and fires into a, tile, a tower. Just shooting guys left and right. Slow motion falling out of the tower. Look how close people are. They're not hitting him. Yeah. He almost looks like he's laughing at this point as he runs. Like, this is so ridiculous. No one could even try to hit me. (laughs) Everything is exploding. All all the fires are happening right now. It it just, it feels like they took every 80s action trope and just crammed it into this one scene. Jesus Christ. And there's like Freddie Mercury, like with his knife. (laughs) Who's that guy? They're still showing the same explosion. Like that explosion happened, and now they're showing it's over. more. Over, yeah. You can't just, show it again. We don't need different <laughs> angles of the same explosion. Oh Jesus Christ! 
No, that wasn't the scene I was thinking of, but I do love that he's running along so slow. So oh, it, he's just lumbering. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. There's there's uh, Alyssa Milano. Yep. Very eighties. Eighties. Going bonus. to rescue his daughter. Mm-hmm. Is it the president's <clears throat> daughter? No, it's his own daughter. It's his own daughter. It's too bad it wasn't the president's daughter. That would have only amped it. That would have made it even better. Like I have to save the president's daughter. <laughs> He's carrying that goddamn rocket launcher <laughs> like He's a like, box. Hey, wait for me. I have to set this up real quick. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> have, you, have you seen like? Okay, so you know like how the iPhones look now, right? With like the three lenses. Yes. Oh, have, have you seen the camera case where he's holding oh, up the rocket yes. launcher? <laughs> that like- that would be that was like for a half a second. I was like, should I upgrade my phone <laughs> just so I can get that camera just case? Just so get the- that case. It's so good. It, do, a, do a Google image search of like Commando iPhone case. It's, yes. You won't be sorry. It is fantastic. All right. So this is more of the same. He's just shooting yeah, it's, so many rounds. And it's guys, just gratuitous just shooting dudes at this point. running on explosions and falling off. <laughs> we need 50 more guys to go get shot by Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. I'm next. That is a very 80s, 80s moment. Thank you, sir. Oh, gosh. So moving on to my next uh, flick. So this this is a comedy. Um, so, you know, uh, in our, in our 99 cent rentals, uh, and even prior to that, when we did who played it better, there was a theme going on that you, you had adopted. And part of that theme was Chevy Chase. Uh, yes. Chevy Chase was a, you know, he was an eighties, you know, acting God, you know, like not, not God, but he was like, he was royalty of the eighties. Yeah, he definitely was. And, and at, at the beginning of the eighties, especially, um, I picked a movie, and you know, like you know, like we like to talk about some, you know, like when we're talking decades, and this this could go for anything, movies, music, whatever. But it typically takes a few years to establish a decade. In yes, and in 1983, I feel like it's right around when like the 80s started to take shape a bit. So I chose 1983's Vacation. Yes, and for my 80s 80s scene, it's the scene where Clark is driving down the road and he's got the uh, station wagon and the family in tow and his wife, Beverly D'Angelo, she's kind of asleep in the front seat and alongside him pulls just the quintessential eighties babe, you know, the beautiful Christy Brinkley. And, you know, she, she's pulled up and she's got like, she's, she's riding along in a Ferrari, you know, like a cherry red, 308 total 80s car oh too. my god just like dream car from the early 80s and the, you know like they're you know she's she's kind of pulled up next to him she's got like that 80s white dress on yeah you know and it's like flowing and there's like shoulder pads and it's just it feels so 80s and it's playing that that like little boy sweet song <laughs> yes <laughs> it just feels so 80s everything about that oh this is everything about the scene is like straight up 80s and they, they actually go to that like thing a couple times like i yes just as 80s as the scene where they're driving on the on the road is the scene where they're like at the uh like kind of the camping grounds yeah and, little, yeah yeah and clark sees her and she's kind of like you know she's she's sitting still at the truck stop she's resting she's got like a coca-cola in her hand or something uh there, there's like a guy with like an 18 wheeler behind her and they're playing the little boy suite and she's like swishing her dress around and like you know clark's doing the dance with like the bologna sandwich or whatever yes <laughs> i just love it so much 
And it's it's kind of a it, it this is one of those scenes where it's not real great for um, for audio listeners, but you'll hear the little boy sweet song right and you'll appreciate go it. Go to Wix.com. But first we gotta hear a Wix.com advertisement. If you want to build a website, that's one you can use to build a website. <laughs> and then we gotta get like a back to the future lore. Like hey, I can finally skip. I'm sorry guys, I don't pay for YouTube. As you shouldn't. There she is. <laughs> I just love this song. <laughs> the the thing and and the, I think even to the point of because this is audio only. Yeah, it's one of those like unless you've never seen this movie. Yeah, like you sh- right now you should be able to picture oh, exactly yeah. what's you going on. You can picture on what's regardless. happening right now. So just just let you guys know, like th- this actually is a it's a clip. It's like a package of clips from Vacation. This is the scene where he's actually at the camping ground and he's holding. He's got like, under the tree. And he's doing the dance. He's dancing with, like, with the, the sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> and it cuts back to Christy Brinkley, and she's doing the 80s dance. Oh, it's so good. And I look, what's so funny is his wife is clearly there. She's, in, she's right she's, there. She's just standing there, and he's like doing this fantasy dance. He's like, <laughs> it's so great. Of course, there's this. Anthony Michael Hall again, is Russ. Oh, God. The dog went on the picnic basket. That I I almost <laughs> picked that scene for that line. Is there any that, more eighties oh. person than Christy Brinkley? I mean, like for God's sake. I don't know that there is. Yeah, maybe Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields could possibly challenge that. But yeah, the the little boy sweet uh, is my one of my favorite. Like vacation is such a great, great eighties comedy. And if we ever do like franchise, like an episode dedicated to franchise, vacation's like a dark horse for me. I, I I think I think we could easily do an episode on vacation. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. So, anyways, um, and by the way, like apparently, um, the uh point is it the is it the Pointer Sisters? Like I'm so excited. Is that who who did the, that song? Like uh, I'm so excited. I think so. And I just can't. I think-, I think that scene originally had the Pointer Sisters. Like I think that was supposed to be in that scene, and. I, it, it may be one of those situations, too, where, you know, when when you, you know, like you, you watch a movie and maybe in theaters or you watch it on TV and sometimes you get like different cuts of movies and you don't your 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 brain's kind of fuzzy. Like, did I actually see that? That this might be those situations where in theaters, maybe they did have the uh, I'm so excited scene. Because if you think about it in your head, can't you also imagine that song where like Christy Brinkley's oh, like, totally. you know, f- driving by him in the car and she speeds past him and then like, you know, he's desperately trying to keep up in the Griswold family truckster, you know. <laughs> he's like Oh, absolutely flooring it in like until the point where he puts his family in jeopardy because of the damn semi truck coming the other way. So like I feel like there that that might be a thing you know it's like this was sinbad in a in a movie that mandela effect yeah i think it might be a mandela effect thing so think about that that's my i i love i i almost went with the scene uh, um with with the sandwiches just because i love i love that he's like he's he almost doesn't really even break character when he's doing the dance she's like oh the dog wet on the sandwiches and he's like (laughs) tosses the sandwich like oh this is gross but he's like, he's like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to lose this moment with Christy. No, and I love that he's dancing with the sandwich. Like he's using the sandwich as a prop. He's like, yeah, people dance with sandwiches, sandwiches, right? This is the thing people do. I'm gonna do a seductive dance with a bologna sandwich. <laughs> and he's wearing like that, like '80s polo, like alligator type oh. shirt that was like just dominant in the '80s. 
I, I love I love the vacation movies, and it breaks my heart to know that like Chevy Chase is even remotely a douchebag, like people say. Yeah, he is. He's like everybody's dad from those from that time. Oh, totally, you know? totally. So, anyway, that's my number three most eighties eighties moment, and you almost went with it. So see there, we almost I had did. overlap. We almost did. We almost did, but we was we avoided it. We avoided it. What's your number three, sir? I'm gonna jump back to what was originally my second one because this is. Okay. One of one of my favorite movies from from the eighties. Oh hell yeah! It was definitely definitely a, a staple of my childhood. Yeah, we did. Uh, we, you were we did a whole episode. Basically, we did a whole episode on <laughs> right. on this because because the Ghostbusters is just worthy of a whole episode. The Ghostbusters is worthy of a whole podcast. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like it's just it's such a phenomenon, and I'm so glad. I know it got pushed back, but I'm so glad that we're still getting a new Ghostbusters entry. It, it'll be worth um, it. It'll be worth it. it. W- it'll be worth the wait because um, it's just it's going to be so good. Yeah. But I I think in that when I go back to the 80s for me, the Ghostbusters, I mean there's so many moments in Ghostbusters that are so just iconic in that film and with that movie being so iconic to the 80s it just to me represents so much 80s. But I think when when I go to it I I had to like that moment when um when uh the when Ray's like, "Oh, oh no. I'm sorry guys. I didn't yeah. mean to." And they're like, "Ray, what did you do?" It just popped in there. It just what popped just in popped there. in there? It's and the most then you, innocent you, thing I could think of. <laughs> you get you get this slow reveal yeah. of of what, outside of the Ghostbusters. You got Slimer and you got the Stay Puffed right. Marshmallow Man, right. and those are the two. Those are the big ones. And you just, you get these little clips of you just know, you see the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man in between buildings. Yeah, and I I know from watching the on Netflix the uh, the movies that made us. Mm-hmm. This was one of the scenes when they were doing test audiences yeah. that they actually had the special effects. They had for this. it mostly ready, right? Yeah, they didn't have they didn't have the final reveal. They didn't have the big here's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Right. But people were so enamored with the idea of this yeah. movie and what it was going to be that even just those little shots of seeing the Marshmallow Man head in between buildings, people just lost their minds. From the same documentary from the Netflix, uh, the you know movies that made us uh, special for the Ghost- Ghostbusters, I also learned that this this is one of the few scenes that made the cut from uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd's like crazy script. That, yes, you know from the, from his original idea of making the Ghostbusters, and then he and Harold Ramis and uh, maybe maybe others like they they re, they kind of retooled it to make it a little more grounded. Uh, you know, uh, to to be so they could make it on like Earth, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so we can actually so, we need to actually be able to make this movie. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford to do this movie in space. So, but I, it's it's really interesting that you know this this is one of the few off the wall like crazy things that like Dan Aykroyd's script had in it, and they kept it in uh, they kept it in intact uh, uh, for, for as far as I understand, like almost completely. So, uh, yeah. Shall I, shall I play the clip? Go for it. Yeah. God bless it. I got an iRobot clip. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm too cheap to pay for red. I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. His innocence. Ray. What just popped in there? I, I, I tried to think. Look! No! It, it can't be! What? <laughs> what did you do, Ray? Oh, shit. You said it, Winston. Ah, oh, such a good scene. The sounds and the visuals, everything just 
I love Boom. it. This, they don't Boom. make shit like this anymore. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He's coming around. He's coming around the building. Cars are crashing. Oh, God, I love this movie so much. This may be the... This is the money shot scene of the movie. It, it really... I mean, of, of all the things that are so iconic from it, and uh, to... Uh, to piggyback on what you were just saying about if you if you're a Ghostbusters fan at all and you haven't seen the movies that made us episode on the Ghostbusters, absolutely worth a watch because there's oh, yeah, so yeah. much so much good stuff that you get from it. You you will learn a bit. Um, you know if you you think yourself to be a Ghostbusters fan, uh, the movie's been out for thirty four years. No 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 thirty six years. Thirty six years. He's thirty six years old this year. So you know you've had plenty of time to learn about the Ghostbusters movie. Um, uh, you you will I guarantee you there's something in that special that you didn't know about, you know. Yeah, it's and it's it's well it's what 45 minutes an hour or something like that. It's well mm-hmm. worth oh well worth well it. worth the time. Yeah, and you and Nick are like two of the bigger Ghostbusters fans I know, and like both of you guys had like learned something just from that little yeah. special. So it was it's great. Yeah, and I even have a book. It's like this gigantic book on like the it and it kind of covers like the first two movies plus some of the cartoons. Yes. Uh, I have that book as well. Oh, do you now? Yeah, yeah. And it look it looks like the old VHS tape. Yep. Yeah, it's great, great book, great book with lots oh, of cool pictures and stuff and production notes. So yeah, I mean, it's that's fantastic. If, highly like, recommend. Highly recommend. If you're any kind of Ghostbusters fan, yeah, it is just it's a great thing. To, yeah, it looks good on the shelf too. Oh yeah, it uh, does. But yeah, I, I dig I dig that scene. I dig that movie, and that is excru- that is excruciatingly eighties. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're we're rolling right. right along, man. We've given you six '80s '80s moments. We're about ready to roll in number seven, my number four. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking like I'm continuing with like I'm trying to think of '80s themes, uh, things that are going on in '80s movies that you saw all the time, and I'm trying to pick like the most '80s '80s moment of like the '80s themes for you guys. Um, and one of the things I came up with, I'm thinking back, I'm like a thing that was like a huge deal in the '80s was going to college so that yes. and not only just college but the ivy league yes you know in the 80s nothing was more important than going and getting into the ivy league so that you could just like go to business school like the most like established business school possible and make all the money yes that was what the 80s was about and in in 1983 the movie that really put tom cruise on the map risky business um, I decided to choose of all the eighties, like college, like, you know, pressure situations. Uh, there's a scene where, uh, hold on, let me pull up the actor just a second, please. And you're familiar with risky business, right? Yes. It's been a minute since I've watched it, but yeah. so risky business from 1983. Uh, so the main character, Joel played by Tom Cruise, he is trying to get into Princeton and Richard Mauser plays a uh, former, like he he's kind of like the representative of Princeton. And, you know, you would have people from the college come to your home and they would conduct an interview. Uh, this isn't just from the 80s. There was a similar scene like from the movie uh, Orange County when yes. um, uh, Colin Hanks was trying to get into Stanford and like the guy comes and he's interviewing him in his home and like shit's going bad. Well, this is a similar scene and it's, it's Richard Mauser and Tom Cruise and you know, the parents are away. 
Uh, Tom Cruise is involved with a prostitute. He falls in love with a prostitute, Re- uh, Rebecca De Mornay. As you do. He, she loosens him up. You know, she 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 makes him into a man. <laughs> I guess is kind of the theme of the movie. And uh, which, if you think about that movie, it's really very eighties indeed. Uh, there's, there's oh totally yeah you know like the the parents like they're kind of like again I think it's it's Chicago it's in Illinois. Uh, and, uh, Tom Cruise, like the, the family has like the Porsche in the garage. Uh, they have this priceless Fabergé egg. That's like a, because that's the thing that you would need to have. It was the thing like most middle, like upper middle class families would have a, a priceless Fabergé egg sitting above the mantle. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was like a big part of the movie. So, you know, shit's already gone sideways for Tom Cruise and, you know, there's this lar- there's just this huge party going on at his home, and he's forgotten that he has this appointment with Richard Mauser, who's there to interview him. Interview him to go to Princeton, and uh, that that's just sort of the back. Uh, that, that's just to give you a little backstory of the scene. So I'm gonna go ahead and play that scene. And it's it's just so 80s, and it's great. Sweet home. But of course, we have to have an advertisement for something called the room. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so they're they're in. Now you've taken your SATs already. I love yeah, Richard Mauser, by the way. In, in License to Drive, he played the dad. <laughs> he was a great <laughs> '80s dad, very much so. Right. Tom Cruise is so young. Your average is 3.14. Your class rank 52, which places you in the 84th percentile. Is that correct? But do you know what I mean? This was just like so emblematic of the 80s, like the pressure of getting into that Ivy League college. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, if you're going to a college, it was kind of like, you know, what's the point of going to college unless you're going to an Ivy League one? Right. And you know, Richard Mauser smugly is sitting there with his manila folder (laughs) and all of Tom Cruise's like, you know, extracurricular activities and his accomplishments. And Tom, Tom Cruise just in his, in that wily, you know, cocky, young energy that he had in the 80s. The, the Top Gun, the cocktail, the... He was the youngest and best everything. Yes. And that smile, that look that he had could just get him out of whatever trouble oh, yeah. he was in. Yeah, yeah. Million dollar smile. Well, Joel, your stats are very respectable. Done some solid work here. But it's not quite Ivy League now, is it? And this is like crushing, right? This is just like a crushing thing to happen to a a person in the 80s. There's one thing I've learned in all my years. He pulls out the Tom Cruise risky business sunglasses, of course. Make you move. Gotta say, what the fuck? I beg your pardon. <laughs> Anyways, so that that's my uh, scene. Uh, he's such he's such a kid there. I mean, that's one. Of those, yeah. I think that's one of those things that's like even listening to him. He's a baby. You're face. like you're you're so. I mean, like because I mean, and that's I think one of the credits to Tom Cruise because he I won't say he really went away because um, it, it wasn't like he started making crappy movies and nobody cared about him anymore. Right. He kind of had that weird. Like when him and Katie Holmes first got together, and he oh, was big yeah, in Scientology, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, went he wasn't little, very little marketable. Crazy there, a little nuts. Yeah, he, he had and to, to take be a fair, couple like, years I off. I feel like people were happy to knock him down. Like people were standing yeah. in line to knock him down a little bit too. 
and and the, the I think the thing of it is like okay, the dude went a little nutty, but not like oh my gosh, he's completely off the reservation. He was just I mean like honestly, even I've gone back and probably within the last year and rewatched his, the footage from him on Oprah, which was you know, and it's it's when I was like. <laughs> The guy as is nutty just as really that ex- is though, that's nothing compared to like the video where like he's talking about like L. Ron Hubbard, yes, and Scientology. Like, that is truly the like, the Scientology a person stuff. have a nervous breakdown. Like it's really weird. That's that's one of those like, and I, I think why you don't hear about that as much anymore yeah. is because like with him and Travolta being as front facing as they were for Scientology. Mm-hmm. And as big of a backlash as that caused in their careers, I think it, I don't think it necessarily diminished, you know, Scientology in any capacity. Right. But I think it just, they were like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't talk about this as much. Yeah. Maybe this shouldn't be like a focal point for us. Exactly. But I mean, but st- it's when I was like, okay, you're talking um, 19, what was, what was risky business? 1983. 1983. Yeah. 19, 1983. I mean, like, that's 37. I can tell you it's 37 years because. I'm 37 years old and I was born in 1983. There you go. So 37 years. And I mean, like, you know, I think the announcement was made the other day that um, Mission Impossible 7 and 8 got postponed or pushed yeah, back a little bit. Of course. It's like the, the like guy, I mean, the guy, the guy is still churning out. <laughs> Blockbusters. I mean, like amazing yeah. movies yeah. 40 years later. I'm a huge fan of Tom Cruise. I fucking love his movies. There's a quality to his movies. Uh, he, he, it's like he makes sure there's like an authenticity to everything that, you know, like he puts that extra bit into it, you know, like he, he demands excellence for himself. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, there, there's his behavior is really indefensible. And during that period of time we're talking about, but you know, if you, if you could just, if you could just take that and, and put it aside and just, yeah. and just evaluate him from like purely from a, from a movie star uh, you know, like point of view, like, which is all I care about. Yeah. The dude, the dude is rock solid. Like he's never oh, missed yeah. a beat. He's, he's always delivered consistently with like great movies. And I mean, even, even like, uh, you know, I think a couple of the ones that popped up, pop in my head in like the early two thousands, um, that were, uh, uh, like vanilla sky vanilla was a sky little weird. Was pretty weird. Yep. It was but, it, weird. but it was one of, it's one of those is like, it's still, I mean, like it wasn't Magnolia, like stuff like that. I, like I mean, and he, I mean, Eyes Wide Shut, which is late nineties. Oh, yeah, I was like, I mean, that. there was there was there were some in there. It's like it's not. I mean, nobody's going to make million dollar choices every single time. Well, he stepped like, away you, from those. I think intentionally. Yeah. Um. You know, he he maybe he was just tired of making movies like A Few Good Men and and The Firm and you know Days of Thunder and you know just the dude could could have continued to make hundred million dollar blockbusters from oh yeah from, to the end of time but he's like you know what i've made all the money let me let me just let me let me make a fourth born on the fourth of july let me make a vanilla sky let me let me be in tropic thunder and just be goofball you know and like have that. fun yeah right, right i think i think that's the thing is like he i don't think he would be as successful as he is still today if he hadn't been able to adapt and change mm-hmm. and still maintain you know him i mean because he's not a wildly different person like when you see him at premieres and you see him promoting stuff, he's, yeah. I mean, he's still got the same smile. He's still yeah. got the same he looks. Still that he still very much looks like 80s Tom yeah. Cruise. Like, so he's still I on just, cruise uh, control. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. You like that. See what you did there. Uh-huh. I like it. Uh-huh. I like it. <laughs> but I, I, he's an intense guy. I, I, but I think I, I like that he sort of doesn't, 
he doesn't at least seem to take himself too seriously in the public. Yeah. You know, like when he does like the talk show circuits, you know, he's like, yeah, I know I'm Tom Cruise and I know I'm intense. Uh, but I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you talk, when you listen to people like Conan O'Brien, guys like that, who talk about him in a certain way, he's just like a genuine guy and like, he's just yeah. super committed to, to what he's doing. I mean, is that any different than like a Christian Bale or a Daniel Day Lewis? Not really. No. And inter- interestingly enough, one of the things I was reading about him uh, just the other day, and I guess it was really more about The Rock, because uh, I think he had said it recently in an inter- interview, um, the The Rock went out uh, for uh, Jack Reacher. Oh, okay. and yeah. I, I, I've not. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's based on a book series. I've, I've several, not read several books. books yeah. <clears throat> but and I so I don't know the physical description of Jack Reacher, but I think it was when I was like the Rock was kind of like oh I you know wouldn't be like a shoe in for this, but like this this is something they're making a Jack Reacher movie. Mm-hmm. I would love to play his character. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be really qualified for it. Right. And at the time, the first Jack Reacher movie is coming out. The Rock is a household name. He's yeah. a I mean he's a huge brand. Right. And Tom Cruise beat out The Rock to play Jack Reacher. And yeah. I I mean. I own both the first and second Jack Reacher movies, and I really love. I mean, I think Tom Cruise did a fantastic job playing that character. They're good movies, yeah. And I, I mean, it is is like to have that kind of, you know, it's not like it came down to who do we like better, The Rock or Tom Cruise, mm. but it's like to to know that The Rock was in the running for a role that Tom Cruise ended up getting. That's I think that says something about the the star power that Tom yeah. Cruise has and I feel still like commanding. If you're if you're making a movie and you hear that Tom Cruise really wants to be in your movie, I would be stoked because at that oh, point yeah. you're thinking like this guy is gonna take it's like that it's like a Keanu Reeves approach to to filmmaking and being in character. Like he's gonna he's gonna like become that person, you know, he's gonna give yeah. you hundred and fifty percent of what he has. Not that The Rock doesn't, because I bet he does too. I mean, I've I've seen his Instagram videos and shit. Like the dude, yeah. the dude lives in the gym, and he's like, yeah, completely dedicated to. to I mean, like I love The Rock. Um, I'm a huge Rock fan, but you know, like Tom Cruise is the last living movie star, like in my mind. You know, like he, I think you're right. He's like the last of the you know like that that era of of movie like bankable movie stars. They don't really make them like that anymore. Maybe no, the Rock I mean, is like, the last of those guys. Maybe he's like the new generation, but uh, but Tom well, Cruise is a movie star, you know. When you think about like eighties, I mean, like another name that pops up in my mind is like a Johnny Depp. Mm. But John, I mean, Johnny Depp doesn't have anywhere near the the star power. I would say no. At this he point. had the juice for a good 10, 15 years, but Cruise yeah. has had the juice for like thirty five years. Yeah, you know? like he's just not. He just he keeps he keeps going and. And I, I think, I mean, I think some of the stuff that has gotten Johnny Depp in in trouble, kind of off screen, I think is has been debunked. And I think some of his, um, uh, I think some of the things that he's uh, lost roles or lost re- public respect for, yeah. um, aren't necessarily due to his own uh, indiscretions. And I think that's unfortunate. But I think even taking that into consideration. I think I mean he he did a fantastic job as Captain Jack Sparrow and that's an iconic oh, character. Great. People, yeah, yeah. people know him for that for forever. Mm-hmm. But even even with that, it's like outside of that, I think when you look at the catalog of things that Johnny Depp has done in the last ten to fifteen years outside of uh Pirates of the Caribbean, I don't know that there's a, a huge catalog of things that people are like, Oh yeah, this is another great Johnny Depp. I mean yeah. I saw him last year in a movie called The Professor and I I loved him in it. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a front. What and center was the movie, movie where he played out. like he his like his 
brain got uploaded to a computer and his like consciousness was like uh oh you know what i mean uh yeah it had like a like virtuosity kind of like sound to it yeah but it i i liked that movie i thought that was good I dug him in that, but he was very much like Johnny Depp. Like he wasn't, mean. yeah, he wasn't like Don, Johnny Depp for like the last 15, 20 years. His reputation was to lose himself into a character, yeah. whether it be the Mad Hatter or, or Jack Sparrow. He kind of was himself a little bit and it was different to see him like, yeah. without all the makeup and shit on, you know, being like a, like a Mike Myers, you know, like Mike Myers will just sort of lose himself into a character. Yeah. Like you don't ever just see Mike Myers as Mike Myers. Johnny no. Depp's similar to that, but a much more serious tone. Uh, I, I would like to see him have a comeback, you know? I, yeah. I, I don't know like what he's guilty of or like, you know, his his sort of stand on aloofness doesn't necessarily uh, help his cause, I don't think. He's not like a Tom Cruise can come out and flash the smile and be like, oh, I'm behind you, Tom Cruise. Johnny Depp doesn't have that. Well, I think, I mean, I think if anything Tom Cruise learned about, uh, because I think The Rock is very um, conscientious of it too, is there's a lot of things, um, there's a lot of things that celebrities like to insert themselves into that automatically is going to ingratiate you with half of your audience and the other half is going to say, well, I don't want anything to do with you. Anymore. Yeah. It's like the whole dangerous, like don't get involved with politics. Like yeah. don't let, don't let people know what your politics are. Cause you're just going to cut yourself in half. And, and, and I think that's, I think that's the thing. I mean, like and religion there's, there's, falls into that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's, I, I think that's a credit to Tom Cruise that he was able to bounce back from, you know, the, the Scientology stuff. It's a magic trick. I don't know how he did it. it. It's because it, I mean, really and truly, Just excellence like excellence in movies, really is all I can say. That's the that's the uh, that's the only way he skated <laughs> like, by God on damn that. It, like Tom Cruise is a weird ass motherfucker, but I love his movies. He, <laughs> that's and, and I think like if you if you give the people the only thing that they have to evaluate you on is your performance in movies, and you're good at that, yeah, then people are going to keep coming back. Yeah. If they have other things to evaluate, if they have other perspectives, well, he does this or she does that, or they're involved right. in these things. Then it gives you points of view to where you can say, oh, I don't know if I like that or not. But just if all it is is like TMZ, you're just, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just making movies, because yeah. I, I think I think it's really even unfair the way some people because it's not widespread, but some people criticize The Rock because every movie he's in is kind of like they're not all the same, but there's some pretty similar components. But this one's like, but they're always fun. Yeah. Like even I mean oh, skyscraper, yeah. I which care. didn't do great, it was like right. that was I mean. It was a fun movie. It was enjoyable. Enough. Is there like, anything wrong with just like, if you find a formula that works, then don't feel like obligated just, to have to change yeah. just because other, because people point it out, you know, like, Oh, well, he's very formulaic. I'm like, so just because this guy pointed it out, does that mean you have to stop making the thing that people love? No. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it. it's so, it's so funny to me how fickle people are with that. Cause like you take somebody like Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey says, you know what? I, uh, and Jim Carrey is just one of many. I mean, Steve Martin has done it and Bill Murray's done it. Like Adam comedians, yeah. Adam Sandler, comedians who people love them for their characters and their movies. Like, oh, we love this guy. We love everything he does. And then they go do but something can dramatic. You act in a serious role. <laughs> yeah. And then they, you put him, it was like, well, I want to go try. I'm going to be in a drama or I'm going to be in this movie or I'm going to be in that. It's a little bit different. They're like, right. Oh, but I like Ace Ventura and I like the right. mask. Why are, I like it when he talks you, out of his butt. That's hilarious. And you're like, okay, okay. On one hand, you're saying we don't like it when Jim Carrey tries to do other stuff. We just want him to be funny. But then, you know, it's like you have somebody like The Rock 
who primarily does, I mean, caters to his strengths. Yeah. The things that he's really good at. And you're like, ah, it's all the same movie. It's like, okay, you can either have it one way or the other. You can't. It was like, well, I wish the rock would be doing more, you know, Jane Austen movies. Like what? <laughs> little women. I want to see the rock and little women. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, they parody that stuff on Saturday Night Live. It's like, yeah. you know, when, oh, the rocks in Bambi. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you'd never do that. Cause right. it's ridiculous, but it is. Uh, but yeah, so we and again we've gotten we off we got we here. went off on a bit of a tangent, but you know but Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise he's he deserves a little bit of a tangent. He he gets it's the Tommy tangent. We we'll give it the <laughs> Tommy, Tommy tangent. Tommy tangent, I love it. There we go. All right, Adam, what's your number four most eighty? Number four, moment? yeah. Number four for me. This is an, another one of those formative movies from from the eighties, and there's there's a number of scenes that I think um, are iconic in the movie and a number of things uh it, this is this is when i kind of I, I wrestled with because like well there's maybe one or two other scenes in the movie that i think could could really like people like oh yeah this one but i i think the dialogue in it and because pat Morita mm-hmm. as mr miyagi mm-hmm. is just is such it's such an 80s thing yeah that in in the scene after Daniel has been at Mr. Miyagi's house for I think three or four days in a row, right, right. and he's he's you know paint defense, send the right. floor, <laughs> wax on, wax right, off, wax on, wax off, right. <laughs> so you get the wax on, wax off, which is just iconic Mr. Miyagi yes. dialogue. And Daniel son realizes he's been learning karate the entire yes. time. He's been oh, becoming. It's scene. almost like this is this is his. The finale and to that, that whatever even pops montage. up in Crazy Stupid Love, like the the yeah. part where like he was like talking to Ryan Gosling, it's like, oh my god, you Miyagi me, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing; it's like, okay, you tricked me into learning something, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize it. And that's how great Pat Morita was at playing Mr. Miyagi. He's yeah, such a great character. That's great. I'm going to play that clip. Go for Go it and play that right now. We're going to get a commercial With an ad from. Oh, we we do. We got a commercial. <laughs> What it's is this ad for? yellow plastic commercial, like mustard commercial. <laughs> really? Mustard. Mustard is advertising. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm what? Here I'm we being go. You goddamn slave is what I'm being, man. That's what I love about this show. You just never know what's going to happen so next. It's a grab bag. <laughs> listen, listen to how young Ralph Macchio sounds. He's 32 years old right here. <laughs> he's 106 years old. He's collecting. He's on Medicare at this point. Medicaid. He's actually been dead for four years in this scene. What? Come here. Oh, Pat Morita of Happy Days. Show me Sandaflor. Sandaflor. You know, he doesn't I love talk too. like this at all in real life. Like, he was like born in America, like grew up in California. Oh yeah, and look at like uh, what was the movie he did with uh, Jay Leno? I remember they used to do oh, Doritos commercials oh, together. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that? Uh, one of those Collision ones. Course. Yes, yeah, one of those. Just an eighties buddy cop comedy kind of thing. Like Mr. Miyagi and Jay Leno. <laughs> what is this a Doritos commercial or a movie? <laughs> What is going on here? Show me Sandaflor. Oh, this is a classic Sand- movie, moment. Sandaflor. And it, it's one of those like Sandaflor. I um I know when it's they did the remake Sandaflor. and everybody lost their minds because it was Sandaflor. you know Will Smith's kid. Oh, with Jaden Smith. And, yeah. And Show I mean me I, I watched it and it I mean it wasn't it was it was never gonna be anything like this one. Right. Um but I I I appreciated that Jackie Chan 
I mean, Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan has been in America for I don't know 150 he, he years. He is a martial arts expert. Uh, yeah, I mean he he's he's legit, and the way he talks is the way he talks. Right, and he has been around. English and around Americans. He's not going to get any more English sounding. Nope. He, he sounds the way he sounds, and that is legit. So it's one of those like, okay, it's not cult, cultural appropriation anymore. We're not offending anybody because the sun de floor, paint the fence. You know, we're not, you know, we're, oh no, you're you're making fun of Asian. Like, no, it's, this is Jackie Chan. This is such an iconic scene. Like everybody felt like they knew how to do karate after watching this scene. Oh yeah, like oh you mean all you have to do is paint fences and I learned karate? Because <laughs> I mean you have that montage where he's doing the crane kick out on yeah, the beach and like that's that's one well, of those that was from visuals. Karate Kid Part Two. No 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 that was from the first one right? Yeah yeah, yeah. sorry sorry. And the then, crane kick got like it, he evolved the crane kick and yes because he shows him like the dock or whatever in the second. Movie. Yep. And and so and and then I mean you have the whole final battle with him and Johnny and just close that out now. Yeah, there's 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 all those there's there's a handful of different scenes from that movie that really you know just encase it in glory. But mm-hmm. that one to me was just like you know you get you get that Mr. Miyagi the wax on wax, wax off, on, which wax is just off. That's all you got to say. That, is wax on wax off. Exactly. You say that and people are like oh I know Charlie Kid, about. Mr. Miyagi. Exactly. <laughs> Good choice, man. It's a good pick. Good 80s, solid 80s flick. Now, speaking of right. 80s, we're going to move on. We're going to move forward to uh, my fifth pick, and it's from 1986. Now, in 1986, 1987, fewer things were more important to a kid from the 80s than, like, BMX biking. Like you talk, you talk like it was like that California kind of you know surfing, oh absolutely, and BMX biking, and then soon to be skateboarding. Like it was all about that. Time. Totally, dude. Oh my god, totally right. And Rad was the BMX yes. movie of choice. Like there, were, I think there were a couple other movies about biking, and we we mentioned Gleaming the Cube, which came later in the early early nineties with Christian Slater. Because kind of skateboarding sort of took over the cool, like BMX yeah. biking was the cool thing. And then skateboarding just sort of took over and then ran with it. You know, like BMX biking had its, it's like pinnacle was the mid 80s, like 86 maybe total. Yeah, because skateboarding, you know, started, you know, to gain popularity in the late 70s, early right. 80s and was was around. Yeah. But it really didn't, you know, really didn't permeate pop culture, I think, until like the early 90s. Yeah, like in you the kind same of had like... That, Beastie Boy, like you know, like you know, yeah. like that, like late eighties, like the skate videos and stuff, like it just took yeah. over, it just took over, and then it's, once yeah, like, it Tony started, Hawk got popular, it was all over. exactly. So, but 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 my most eighties eighties moment, um, I mean, like like I said, like eighties mid eighties, like everybody had like the BMX, wanted a BMX bike, they had like the mag wheels. Oh yeah, uh, pegs. You know, like you're you're going to the bike shop. You're trying to like customize your bike. Like you wanted an awesome bike. You know, like you think of the bikes of the time. Like I I I didn't I didn't have a cool bike. Like I my parents could afford. Like my mom could afford a Huffy. That's like that's what I got. But I got the kids walking around or riding around me with their Diamondbacks, their their Schwins. You know, like their Predators, uh, BMX of course, and. Uh, one of the thing, one of the movies that we would rent very frequently from the video store was Rad from 1986, and I cannot think of any more of a rad scene than when 
they have the BMX dancing scene. <laughs> oh, yes. The Sydney oh, and yes. Angel. Like, it is, like, it's popping with 80s. Like, it's painfully 80s. It really is. This. You got you got Aunt Bucky, Lori Laughlin. She's like, you know, like the slow-mo, you know, like they're they're doing the tricks. And it, it just like it's born of 80s. And when I when I think of like 80s, like another theme, like I like I, I like to try and like br- like bring attention to like what was popular in the 80s. Dances were huge in the 80s. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of 80s movies where if you're in high school, uh, there, there's just that 80s dance lineup. And it's like they would they would just sort of that was like the, the big thing in the movie. You know, you think of like your teen wolves. Your sweet sixteens, like there's just tons and tons of movies where like the big set piece was like the eighties dance, the prom, whatever. Oh, Mac and Me, you had a big dance number in Mac <laughs> yeah, and Me. Yeah, the big big dance number in Mac and Me. In McDonald's, you know, that was yeah, huge. So, uh, without further ado, I'm just gonna go ahead and play a little quick scene. There's Becky. Nice. There's the dude. I don't know. <laughs> Forget what his character. The name dude. Was. He he didn't really. Did he have much outside of? No, no. Of Rad. I, I think I rented this movie like 10 times at the video store. And this is a great 80s tune, by the way. Oh, this is a this is a quintessential 80s. There's there's uh Lori Laughlin. She's she's not riding right there. She's just posing on the bike. Lots of slow-mo jumping up and down. Does this does this qualify as a power ballad? Would you say is this oh, a power for sure, ballad? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, like this is a classic Johnny, 80s power looks ballad. Like a John, I think that's that may be Johnny from Guardian. I'm not sure, but there's just like a Johnny lookalike. <laughs> oh my god, I just want to I just want to ride a bike right now so bad. I don't know. What factories are you in? <laughs> But I don't even know like how I, there's just there's nothing really even to commentate or describe here. It's just slow. It's just an experience to be had. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's BMXing at its best. If you were alive in the '80s, and what better time to be alive than 1986? Like you, you're familiar with this scene. <laughs> this this song also plays in a montage in the 1989 comedy classic uh, Young. Einstein, where Yahoo Sirius is trekking along. With Yahoo Sirius, I was going to say, Yahoo yeah, Sirius? Yeah, Yahoo Sirius is trekking along the Outback, and uh, th- this song is playing. So just just another shout-out to this song. What was his, what was Yahoo Sirius's other? Uh, Einstein and- well, you know, he, he um, I think he did a couple other things and then became like a politician or something later in life. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> if that if that really ha- that makes me so happy. Yahoo serious and like carrot top mixed up, so you're thinking like chairman of the board, like that whole thing. Oh Lord yeah. McDonald. <laughs> Couldn't you see like someone <laughs> easily mistaking carrot top and oh my god, slow motion jumps. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at those wheels. <laughs> 80s glory. That is what you'd call an endo. He's he's up on his front wheel. Popping around in his chucks. Look at those converse right there. Just cloth and Becky and rubber. is just dripping wet watching this. <laughs> oh, God. And then in, uh, in 35, 35 years later, she'd be caught in a scandal getting her daughter into USC. 
did was there a resolution then? Has that have they decided her fate yet? Not yet. She's 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 still fighting it. Still uh, waiting. Other people corona? have 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 plead out, and they're you know they're going to do their thing. But like she's still she's still in court fighting. She's that. still hanging in there. She's gonna she's gonna get a long. She's gonna get hit the hardest probably. Or then again, she's going to she be won't. the poster child for this. Yeah, because her husband, what's his name, Massimo, <laughs> the guy who does the Ma had the Massimo clothing empire from Target. That's who she's married to. And county seat, if you're like a guy like me and you you were shopping <laughs> oh, at the mall. I had some <laughs> jean shorts from county seat, brother. I had some jean shorts from the county seat. <laughs> so you're familiar with the county seat, right? Oh, so yeah, yes. Yeah, Massimo is like 80% of county seat, so I had some of those. Like Definitely. mentally right now, I just went back to the Oak Park Mall in Austin, <laughs> Minnesota, Whoosh. sitting there with my mom, trying on jorts. <laughs> That's where I just was transported to. Uh, oh Lord, that's that great, mall's not that's even a great there place anymore. To be right there, we just moved you from the '80s to the '90s, just like that. Snap <laughs> of a finger. You're welcome. County seat jorts. <laughs> oh yeah, I've probably had a few that pairs. Just happened. <laughs> but but from 1986's Rad and Lori Laughlin doing an endo slow motion endo to county seat jorts. You never know what you're going to get on. That's the ride you're going to take with the Cinemasters. Yeah. That's what we give you. Just hop on board. Just, just, heck yeah. (laughs) You never know. Ride with us on a BMX over to the county seat and buy some jorts. Send me the angel. (laughs) Anyways, what number five? What's your number five? My number five. This is the only one on my list that I couldn't find a clip of. Okay. So you can just Um, describe it. So we'll just, we'll kind of mentally try and relive this moment with us. Um, Because this this is one of this uh, again, and I think we we discussed it not too long ago. Because this is a movie that's always going to be near and dear to my heart. It's one of, probably one of, if not my favorite Tom Hanks movie. It's big, oh, yes. And I nearly um, picked a scene from this from from one of my most eighties eighties moments. It's it's just it's such I I think because it's such an eighties movie. Yep, and it's it's about an eighties eighties kid. I mean, like it was the thing. It's like. So many of these movies are just a vehicle for you as a kid when you're in these, you're, you know, you're growing up in the eighties and you're watching these movies like, okay, what, what are these kids getting to do that, I, that there's no way I'd ever do. And so yeah. Josh Baskins who wishes to be big overnight turns into Tom Hanks and right. all of a sudden, you know, well, it's he a gets body chased. swap movie too, right? Which yes. were huge in the eighties. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, so he gets, he gets chased out of his home by his mom cause mm-hmm. he she doesn't recognize him cause he's not her he's a grown man yeah he's a grown man just like shows up in her house like wearing his tidy whities one day free freaking her out and so and you've got you've got that classic trope from the 80s the kid goes missing that was a big thing a kid's missing missing children missing children in the 80s for that was a huge thing in the 80s still is but it was a big thing in the 80s i love that 80s best friend with the spiky red hair and the little bit of a in billy yes billy was great i love i I want to that that is the quintessential late eighties best friend right there. I he wanted him was, as a friend. He was fantastic because he was, you know, he he could he could turn on the charm. So you know, moms and dads, oh, they still like it. But he was he he still he, he was, was street a, smart. He was street. He was savvy. Yeah, he was a man about town. He knew <laughs> things exactly. And so when Josh is freaking Josh out, Josh is a little he, bit naive. A little, a little he is a little bit of a, he's he's very much he's a little child. green. Yeah, he's he's still he's he's a little green, he's a little young, mm-hmm. and so he's like, all right, what are we gonna do? How do we do this? So Josh and Billy they go 
into the city, into New York, because mm. they live in the suburbs. Yeah. And it's it's a scary time. It's it's and so Josh gets a job working at a toy company. Yes. Oddly enough, yes, a huge score for you know if you're a kid in the eighties, like you mean I could work for a toy company? Oh my god! Holy crap! How great yes. would that be? And so he starts. He's just a data entry guy, and he's a kid mm-hmm. that loved computers. So he's it's working totally alongside John Lovitz. John Lovitz, <laughs> right there, and he gets his first paycheck. <laughs> They really like, screw you. <laughs> like 127 bucks. He's like, and he's like, 127 bucks. He's like, he's so, he's so excited. He's and so he, he and Billy just go on this bender because he's living in this shit hotel. Oh my God. It's like murders are happening all, all oh. around him. <laughs> and so, I mean, they're just silly string and oh, I love it. And Oreos and ice cream. Oh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's that, it's that indulgent. Like yeah. if you were a kid and you had grown up money, yeah, what would you do? Yeah, and it's like for for it's it's one of those scenes where and like the whole movie really just represents that idea of like you know what I I could be an adult and I could pay my bills and I got to take care of all my responsibilities all of the the adulting things. It's like I don't want to adult today. It's like yeah, but you still do. Yeah, but if you balance it out right, you can have. That same, like, you can have fun. You could, ha- you could, it was like, you could go on Amazon and, like, oh, should I get a new comforter for my bed? No, I'm getting a $50 Nerf gun. That's what I'm going to do because that would be totally I'm rad. A Pepsi machine in my apartment. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy an indoor trampoline. Yeah. What about you? So it's like, you know, I think that 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 scene, that scene, and so many other mo- in the movies, but like yeah. that one scene in particular when he gets his that first paycheck and they just go and they blow it on candy and toys. That and movie makes junk me food. so nostalgic, man. <sighs> that nineteen eighty eight's big. It's fan. It, I mean, it that wasn't movie the antagonist is, like the sa- the antagonist salesman. He he's the dad, McAllister. That's John Hurt. Yeah. Yep, Kevin yeah. McAllister's dad, Peter yeah. McAllister. It's weird to see him as like a little Weasley dickhead, you know? Like, oh, and he was. Yeah, I don't get uh, he, it. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it was just oh, he, he was, and he was such he, you know, Tom Hanks was just this wide eyed, naive kid. Yeah, um, and then is this you got the last little, like. Tom Hanks is kind of like a, you know, it, you know, like there was like that run of Tom Hanks '80s movies where he's kind of like a man child. I think I think it it very well may have been, and then he kind of transitioned into, you know, in the early '90s, you know, especially with like, um, well, there was like Bonfire of the Vanity, yeah. And there was like you know Philadelphia was a couple years after that, yeah. And then even, I mean, even when he kind of trans, I mean, he could, he could, he did those and he had the dramatic chops and then he had like Joe versus the volcano and yeah. sleepless in Seattle and the all Meg those Ryan was like, for sure, now sure. he's, he's a staple. He's of, an adult. Of, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's a grown up now. Yeah. You know, he, he does this, he does that. He doesn't have the Coke machine. He doesn't have, <laughs> I'm taking the top bunk. It's like, okay. Right, right, right. But yeah, I think, and I think that's the thing is like you, you can watch big and you can appreciate I think even if it like you watch it and you're like, you know what, <clears throat> I'm I'm gonna go on Amazon and spend fifteen dollars on a giant bag of Pez, which may or may not have been <laughs> something I've done recently, um, and just have like I have I have, I have candy. Like you, you go into a lot of grown ups' houses, you're like, oh, where do you keep your candy? Like I, I'm a grown up, I don't I don't have candy <laughs> in my home. What are you talking about? It's like, oh, right. you don't have. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah, well, I have a couple okay. places sure, where I keep candy. Do. So, yeah. Grown-ups don't have candy, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, Whatever. The, the scene that I nearly picked was the scene where they were, like, riding in the limo, like, sticking yes. out of the top. 
That that felt like a very like in the eighties. You made it when you were riding in a limo. Oh, yeah. Like that being in a limo is like a very eighties thing. And uh, I that was a like hot in the city song or something was playing. And yeah, I I really enjoyed it. like the whole movie. The whole entire movie is just pure bliss and joy. But uh, I that that's a great one. That that's like the Citizen Kane of body switch swapping movies. Like, yep. it is like the best. I, I would I would agree. There there are that's other the body swapping movies that I really really enjoy, but th- this one's the one that has like the most to say. I feel like has the most heart. Like uh, the Dudley Moore Kirk uh, Cameron, like father like son. Or I, uh, I love vice versa. That is a classic. And we're we're actually gonna talk about that in a little bit. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that was your number five. That's good. That's good number five. We are halfway through the list. Sorry, no clip, but that but you're gonna picture it in your head. That also means no commercial. No commercial. No man. No commercial level. for mustard. So we're past the halfway point, and yes. uh, my number six is from uh, 1987, another late 80s entry. Uh, so the reason I picked this movie was. In the 80s, Rambo was like the kind of like the, the you know, the 80s thing. You know, like it was America. Yes. It was the 80s. If you were a if you were a badass, you were like Rambo, you know, like it, and if, if you were if you had like an arsenal or something like if you if you were like if you had like a big guns or if you had a lot of guns, you were like Rambo. Rambo. And I, I remember seeing like a theme like beginning in the mid to late and, and then extending into the late 80s. Like if you were a badass, if you were like a white guy and you were a badass and you had some guns, like you were like Rambo. Oh, and totally. The scene that like sticks out for the scene that most illustrates that, the most that proves my point the most was from Beverly Hills Cop 2. And that is uh, Judge Reinhold's character, Billy. Yes. Billy. Uh, he, he and for and in the second movie he kind of took on this like persona that like he he was no longer like the kind of uh Dudley do right kind of yeah. silly like he he kind of like there there was like a darkness to Billy almost you start learning that he could could you know uh he he knew like how to to break into buildings and like he had like an oh, arsenal yeah. and stuff when they go back to his apartment yeah 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 exactly like, what what's going on here Billy. Well, at the end of Beverly Hills Cop 2 from 1987, uh, right towards the end, uh, they, they're, they're packing up their gear and they're going after like Brigitte Nielsen and, her, and the gang. Yep. Uh, and they're, they're getting away in a truck. Well, uh, you know, Billy's got like two shotguns and a rocket launcher <laughs> yes. he brings with him. And, you know, like the, the bad guys are getting away in a truck and uh, Taggart, who's his partner... Um, he he sees that Billy's like uncorking a rocket launcher. He's like pulling the pin and like shoots the rocket at, and, and it's done kind of like with a comedic kind of. Like yeah, he doesn't mean it, it. It's very silly. And he blows up the the truck and like you know Billy's sitting there holding the rocket launcher. And Taggart looks over and he goes, "Fuck Rambo!" <laughs> like that that <laughs> felt like such an eighties moment. That like, yes, it just it just it just everything about the eighties like. You know, if you think about that time period, you know, it was like Ronald Reagan, Rambo, you know, it's just like if you were if you were a badass, oh, yeah. like even in the movie Mannequin from the late 80s, where you had like the security guard had like the like the bulldog and he named him Rambo, like everything that was masculine and tough was Rambo. Well, even uh, um, was it 
It was Gremlins 2, wasn't it? When they made Gizmo. Oh, he, yeah. He, he puts uh, the headband on, you know? He's like, like, he was all Ramboed out. Yeah, he was all Ramboed out. So here's here's the scene. I'm just going to go ahead and play that little bit of... Stop and watch. Oh, okay. We got, got a full... We got a beard shaving, shaving beard thing. Here we go. Trust me. I love Beverly Hills Cop. Like, the first two movies are just some of the best 80s action comedy out there. Yes. Axel Foley. Like, I nearly went with, um, what was it, uh, the scene with, uh, oh, gosh. Johnny Wishbone. I almost went with Johnny Wishbone. Like, that felt Uh, like a very 80s moment. So there's a shootout happening, very typical of the 80s. There's a lot of bad guys with machine guns trading fire, you know, like one act, like they're just sort of taking turns and emp- emptying clips. <laughs> like, I don't know why this is an effective shootout technique, but it never works for anybody. Like, no one's standing up. You don't have a clear shot at anybody. It's like, let me empty all the bullets I have. Right. <laughs> let me shoot like, six what? times and then I'll duck behind cover and then the bad guys can pull out and shoot six times. Now, Billy's like, got the rocket launcher. Taggart's, like, he's yelling at him, like, come on, Billy! Wow. <laughs> Here we go. It's coming up. The line's coming. Let's go that Push 80s this. music. Oh, it's so classic. It's blown up. <laughs> so that means that you your arsenal is pretty fucking legit. You have... You have outdone John Rambo in Taggart's opinion. <laughs> in, in Taggart's estimation, you are more, you have, you're more armed to the teeth than Rambo. So anyway, so like that, that's my observation of 80s tough guys and, and, and gun owning and, and shooting things up. And Rambo is like the epitome of 80s tough guy. Oh yeah. I mean, for, you know, the, you had all those guys, you had Sylvester Stallone, you had, um, uh, Jesse Ventura and mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. And, uh, yeah, all those guys. And they were all playing. I mean, a lot of those guys were in all kinds of movies. Sure. But with Stop Rambo, or my mom will shoot. Exactly. <laughs> you had that. The Stel Getty. Yes. Um, but with of Rambo, Girls. Mm-hmm. Rambo was, I mean, Rambo was just kind of like, it was that staple. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, S- Stallone was in a number of things. But it was when I was like Rambo, like you could go back to Rambo. It's just well, it was like every other year in the eighties, there was like a new Rambo movie. Yeah, and so with with that, it's like okay, you have you have a name that everybody can recognize. Like okay, you know everybody saw Commando, everybody saw Predator. Like all these one one word, but it's like okay, what was the guy's what was the guy's name? Yeah, like Rambo. It was just easy, bam, Rambo. Yeah, and so it was just this iconic eighties idea. So it's like for that's like right. For it was Judge an ideal. Reinhold. Yeah, it was a li- It was it was just like that kind was of the a, standard. A way of life. A survivalist knows who Rambo yeah. is. <laughs> he was a badass, and you know he was he he kind of set the bar in a lot of ways because you know you know you you have all of these other you have all these other icons that came out of it. Everybody knows Schwarzenegger. Everybody knows you know Stallone and Van Damme and all these different guys. I was like, if you're like, oh, John yeah, was, McClane, you know, you could throw yeah. him in there. <clears throat> but John, John Rambo, he was the guy that everybody's like, you could go. If you said John Rambo, you just back every, away. Everybody you knows. Just put your hands up. Yeah. You everybody go, knows okay. who you're talking about. Okay. You got the, you got the, 
Yeah, and the, he had a couple the, of those characters. Hair, Rocky and The Rambo. knife. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah, the knife. The freaking hunting knife. Forget about it. Oh, there's just everything about it was just so iconic. I'll give them away when we leave. All right. <laughs> We're getting right. we're getting some good impressions in tonight. I'm yeah. I'm, I hope I'm, guys, I'm digging it. I'm you guys digging were just it. watching Rambo. Did you know that? That was that was Sylvester Stallone actually stopped by the studio. <laughs> he was not social distancing, but we don't care. Nah, six feet. It's not when it comes to Sly. Rambo is going to beat COVID nineteen. Yes, Rambo. <laughs> COVID nineteen Fuck means Rambo. nothing to Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. That's my number uh, six. That's what? number he, uh, in. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot. Okay. Just like I did before, because I, I, like I want to kind of with Ross's couch. You're gonna pivot. Yes, with his couch, I'm gonna pivot. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna jump down to because I did, I didn't put these in any particular order. I just right. threw them together. Right. So what's on my list is number nine because it ties into your number six. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna circle back to the first entry in the Ooh, Beverly Hills yes, Cop yes, franchise. Yes. Um, See, we came because, close once again. We came close. Oh, we did. We, we, we came very each, close. We sideswiped one another. <laughs> Two ships <laughs> passing in the night. Um, and because I, I almost, I almost went with uh, Riggs and Murtaugh because I was thinking eighties, eighties cop movies yes. is such a thing, and there's so many great ones. Oh my gosh. Um, there, I mean, there's Forty Eight Hours. There's Lethal Weapon. There, I mean, I was because at one point it was point, very I was like, cliche. To it was the, uh, buddy cop movies. For oh, sure. buddy cop movies really bloomed in the eighties. I mean, it was just such a, a huge faction of cinema in the nineteen eighties. And I was when I was going through it, I was like, you know, we'll do this again, and there'll be more eighties cop movies, buddy I cop hope movies. So, yeah, for sure. Um, but I was like, you know, uh, when I, Axel Foley and Billy and Taggart. Even though it was the three of them, it was like Taggart and Billy was kind of like that representative of like the we're, you know, we're the law. Because Ta- Taggart was really, I think what I liked about their d- dynamic was Taggart was really the hard and fast. This is the law. This is yes, how we do yes. stuff. This is by the book. This is how everything He's done. the book. Right. Axel Foley, total opposite. Absolute. It was like, no, man, we're going to make it up on the go. You know, this is, I'm going to, I'm flying fast and loose. You know, you got the responsible cop, you got the crazy one. And it was nice because you had Billy in the middle who was kind of like this, you know, do I side with mom or do I side with dad? Yes, uh, I'm not that's entirely a great sure. way to put it. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and He's I think the kid in the relationship. He, he is. He's like, oh, uh, should I listen to Axel or should I listen to Tag? Yeah, and sometimes uh, he's going to sure. take up mom's side. Sometimes he's going exactly. to take dad's side. And so he was kind of like this, you know, sort of pseudo deciding vote in some things. But I, I loved just as as they were kind of cementing this relationship and Billy and Taggart are following Axel and he goes and he does the banana in the tailpipe. And that to <laughs> me was just like the that was the if there was something about Axel Foley outside of the laugh. Yeah. That oh, that we just a bit of that in my my previous clip there. Oh the the Axel Foley laugh. Like if you if you heard that, I mean you would you would know it's Eddie Murphy, but yeah. at the same time, in the same way as John Rambo you would know that laugh is Axel Foley. The laugh is and Eddie so, Murphy, but it's Eddie, it's Axel Foley as well. Yeah, I mean, and I, so it just it works so well. And and that scene when he's doing the he's doing the the banana and the tailpipe, I think just it's one of the best scenes in the no, first. Correct me if I'm wrong. Does this have Damon Wayans in it as well? It does. It yeah, does as well. Okay. Young Damon Wayans. <laughs> he supplies the bananas. <laughs> All right, let's play the clip. Roll with it. Let's roll it. Oh, but first we're gonna we're gonna hit we're gonna Crispy. hear about Butterfinger. Ooh, 
Nobody better lay a finger on my yeah. butterfinger. Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger, man. I need a couple of bananas. How much are they? Well, Damon the Wayans looks weird with hair. I'm just gonna say yeah, it. Yeah, he does. Peaches, plums, oranges, and bananas. All I need is a couple of bananas. He also does the best effeminate. Voice. Oh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of like it's almost like a cherry on top. It is like the scene's so great, and you just have that Damon Wayans. It's like '80s, like comedy royalty meets '90s. And you got you got the music in there. You got that Axel Foley. Oh, the music. A- yeah, the Axel uh, the Axel Foley song, right? Axel H. And I, uh, who didn't play this on a Casio, by the way? Like, oh. If you well, if you had access to a Casio keyboard, you were playing this song. Because it was, I mean, it's probably been I don't know ten years, but like this, that song made a, a second go around for a younger generation, like so, like covers or whatever. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, you you could play this song for you know kids, quote unquote, today, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be like I have no idea what this is. Like, oh yeah, this is that song. You might not know it's Beverly Hills Cop, and that probably was the wouldn't. banana in the tailpipe did the trick. Oh. Billy and Taggart were stalled, so Axel got yep. away. Good stuff. So classic. I mean, Beverly Hills Cop is just you know, it's the eighties. It's very, it's it's just like the topic says, it's the most eighties of the eighties. And Eddie is Eddie's having a little bit of a comeback, and there's talks of a Beverly Hills Cop four that sounds like it's a legit thing, not just pipe dreams at this point. There's, I I think, I think they pushed it back at this point, but I think later in the year. They had coming to America too was supposed to be coming out like this November December. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I wasn't at, at first, but <clears throat> after Eddie's um, his appearance on SNL a couple of months ago, oh, he showed me he still got it. So he's he's got he's gotten past that point where he's like the new dad, where he kind of has to tone things down a little <laughs> bit, and it's like he can go back to being Eddie Murphy. You know, and he's got life experience that kind of changes him and makes him relevant to now. But like he's still got that Eddie Murphy, you know, central comedy that everybody's yeah. just gonna love. Yeah. Like, yeah, bring, give me another Beverly Hills Cop. You know, we kind of make up for three a little bit. Bring Taggart back. Pretty yeah, sure he still alive. Three got you know three gets like a bad rap, but I enjoyed three when it came three, out. Three, three. So what three misses? And Hector Elizondo does a, f- a great job subbing in. There's for no Taggart. Taggart. Yeah. But there's no Taggart, and that's what that's you're you're missing a main ingredient. What made the first two really successful? Agreed. Agreed. All right, so um, is it time for my number seven? Number seven. Okay, <clears throat> so my number seven is another later '80s entry. Uh, it's from 1988. We were talking about um, '80s action stars and Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, you know, let's let's just wrap up that Planet Hollywood trio and get a little bit of Bruce Willis in there, shall we? And I'm going to start. Yeah, we got a John McClane in this bad boy, uh, Die Hard. Uh, but but my clip really doesn't have anything to do with, with John McClane per se. Uh, my 80s, my so 80s, 80s clip uh, is actually um, the Ellis, the coked up douchebag scene. Where? Huh. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when, when you're thinking like late 80s, you're, you got like the whole, there, there's, there's this sort of talk. And there's this there's this cadence that people like who were, you know, cool in the 80s, they would kind of talk a little bit like Dennis Miller, you know, like, yeah, yeah babe, you know, like the whole like, let's exactly. let's, let's let's do business. Bobby. Let's talk. Yeah. 
And and Ellis was that kind of coked up douchebag who gets he himself totally was he gets himself killed, thinking he's in control of the situation. And Hans, you know, he kind of uses him. And uh, just everything about the scene with, you know, like he, he's like a, he's like an eighties, like power, he's like a business power broker kind of wannabe guy. Like, you know, Wall Street. Show him, show him the Rolex. Yeah. 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 So, but, but so like every scene that he's in, I'm thinking like, God, Jesus Christ, you were just like so fucking eighties. It's just yeah. painfully eighties. So I had to include Ellis, the coked up douchebag. And I got a clip. All right. Here it comes. He's, he's doing some coke. What are you doing? I'm tired of sitting here waiting to see who gets us killed first, them or your husband. What are you going to do? It's got that hey, babe, five o'clock I'm shadow. Eight million dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey. Uh, Euro, he trash. Trash. Euro trash. Euro trash. Even just saying the phrase <laughs> Euro trash <laughs> makes you 80s douchebag. Yeah, it really does. Hope I'm not interrupting. What does he want? It's not what I want. It's what I can give you. Oh, he's just oozing 80s coked up douchebag oh. right now. He's sweating it out of his pores. It's exuding every straight, fiber okay? of his being. It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses. Am I right? You're very perceptive. I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, these guys are professional. I watch 60 <laughs> Minutes. Yeah. You're in the know. Personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the heels. Oh, camel jockeys? Like he's just business. like throwing around this I shit. You're, you're yeah. Am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. Oh. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill to like, be running around in the building. You know, Hans is right? just like looking him Hans. over like... It's like, who in the world do you think you are? I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? Here we go. The guy upstairs is fucking things up, huh? Say it. I can give him to you. And he flashes a smile at the end. Oh, God. I think I don't think I had a scene where he was just like Hans booby, you know, like, like oh. he actually even goes like full on Dennis Miller at one point. Yes, he does. Hans uh, booby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it, it it's, is it's such an eighties eighties moment, and I had to throw he it in is there. The decadence of the eighties oh, embodied on yes. person. Yes, oh. and when he dies, when he gets shot, it's so. It's I mean, fantastic. I, it is. It's satisfying. It really is. I hate to say it. <laughs> Be, but having he's a an American being shot by a terrorist is not like you would normally think that would be a satisfying thing but in this case I'll make an exception <laughs> it's one of those you're like oh, there's really the decadence of the 80s I don't even think I could I can't even think of any better way to say it that's just what it was <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those where like if you if you were in any kind of sphere of influence where you had to deal with Ellis on any kind of regular basis, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish a meteorite would smash him into the ground. <laughs> and you're like, as terrifying as the entirety of the Nakatomi Plaza attack would be, I feel like even his coworkers are like, wait, Ellis is dead? Well, maybe this isn't so bad after all. <laughs> well, something good came out of this party. Something. He was like, oh, Takashi? Yeah, that was pretty sad. I liked <laughs> that was, him. He was a that good That was boss. unfortunate. Yeah. He didn't deserve we didn't, that. We didn't need to lose him. Ellis? Well, yeah. yeah that's 
Okay. No, you, you win some, you lose some, <laughs> right? Some, That's all some, I'm saying, right? guys. That's all I'm saying. You win some, you lose Sometimes some. Sometimes you just gotta have a you just gotta call a silver lining a silver lining. Exactly. Anyways, that's my number seven. Ellis, the, right, coach, the, seven. the coked up douchebag. <laughs> coked up douchebag. <laughs> what do you got for me? Let's see. I guess I'll, I'll jump back up into my original progression. Um, and this uh, 1983 Christmas classic oh. um, is a is is a bit is a bit divisive. I would say in some respects. Not to I me, feel like sir. People, if you if you do not care for this movie, you are dead to me. Yeah, the people. I don't feel like there's a middle ground. People either love this movie or they just vehemently hate this movie, and it is the it is the Christmas classic, A Christmas Story. Mm, yeah, and I'm I'm firmly in the same camp. I love this movie. Oh my god, um, I'll never get tired of this movie ever. No, I we uh, we watch Christmas movies all the t- all year long in my house, and this is this one is no except exception. Um. Uh, people my, are my kid. I feel like Christmas story might be wearing its welcome out to most people. Uh my my Which kids is, in particular like don't want to watch this movie all day during Christmas. Uh but you know uh, what? It, Their it parents do. Me. We still want to watch it. Laura and I are It's both. I, like that's that's <laughs> one of those staples of Christmas or like the 24 hours of a Christmas story. Yes. T- I'm just on like, TBS, what? give it to me. Cuz you just cuz the thing is you just turn it on. It's just it's just on and you just let it be. It's yeah. like it's when I was like you can jump in at any point and jump out Ugh. and it, it, you're you're totally fine. It's like it, it's just kind of on in the background. It's kind of like, you know, it's elevator music, you know, if you want it's something so to do. It's so comforting. It's so it is. comforting. It's just like having like your family over, you know, you're like your family always talk about the same old shit like it's just Christmas story. The same old uh, shit. I love it. It's uh, uh, the the thing about because it's it's set well before the eighties. Yeah, but I think that's one of the things that makes it timeless is the fact that is there are so the many 50s? things. Is in it the late fifties? I think it's the late fifties. Okay, I think so. Yeah, and the the thing about it is, I mean, like you have your Christmas vacation, which is just the over the top. You know, I can kind of relate to oh, like, oh, yeah, the in-laws coming over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. when the turkey gets, you know, everybody's, <laughs> you can have kind of a part of some of that nostalgic and right. you just laugh at the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think what I what I really love about Christmas Story is it feels, especially from the kid's perspective, it just, it's all through the eyes of the kid. Yeah. And, and it's, it just, it, it never feels like there's a part of it. He's like, you, you know, like, okay, yeah, you talk about the bullies. You talk about it like, oh, I want this for Christmas, but no, I don't think I'll get it. And like, oh, well, how? and so what I landed on was when he, he finally goes, because he wants the Red Rider uh, double, you know, I can't name the whole air yeah, rifle yeah. thing. But with, he, with, he a, wants, with the compass and the stock and the stock and the thing and, which tells time, thing which tells like, time, the thing right. which tells time. What? Like <laughs> a he clock? always has it ready. He has it on the ready. That whole yeah. he just says it. And it's just like he and he's like it's it's the thing because I think everybody can relate to that idea. Like you had your heart set on this one thing. Like there was always there's a Christmas you can go back to. It's like oh, I so desperately wanted. I think for me it was the, the 1986 Metroplex from Transformers. Like I was just yeah. I was like oh. I yeah. want to, and, and just as a, as that, in that kid, you know, when you don't have, you know, the kind of the opposite of big, where it's like, you don't have the means to just go get it yeah. in some form or fashion. Yeah. Like you got birthday and you got Christmas and those are your two shots in the, in, in the entire year to try and get whatever that thing is. Yeah. And, and if so your mom's the, against you, like with the classic BB yeah. gun block. Oh, that's so classic. I love it. You're like, oh, there's how am I going to? And so his, his when he's like, oh, Santa, 
That's how I'll that's how I'll do this. And yeah, it was like because yeah, that was yeah. that feels like such that eighties kid. Like this is how like Santa's my ace in the hole. Right. right. And then when he goes to see Santa, and he tells he's like he has that. I don't know what. You know what? What did I? I don't even remember what I wanted. And then he's like, right. he stops How about in the slide, a football. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, 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 I want this is the. And he's just smiling, just that, like you certainly you're going to get this for me, right? Right. And he's like, you shoot your eye out, kid. And then his and smile like, collapses, <laughs> and just that, what? The just the, you just see it fade from him, and just the life just drains as he just kind oh, of my God. slides. I love down. that too. Like I love oh. mall scenes in a movie, and that's a good mall scene. Let's play the clip. yes. You may, I think it may start a little early on. You might be able to fast forward a little bit. Gonna get an Oculus Quest, yes, commercial, which is fantastic. my favorite one thus far. Is a tie between mustard and the uh, the ball shaver. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Here he comes. He's coming up the. He's coming up the stairs. He's completely freezing, <laughs> spinning him around. <laughs> I love the first it, person I mean, it's, perspective. Oh, it's such an over, and I think that was one of the just. Uh, from a cinematic perspective, too, I love that back and forth with the camera work, where you're seeing it literally through his eyes, where you're, you know, like, this fever dream of this Santa Claus. You're yes. like, oh, my, what is going on here? <laughs> the elf with the over-exaggerated, like, come on, kid, let's get going. It's like, wow, this is a jolly place to be. This is the worst. <laughs> is there any better narration as far as voices go than, like, the, the guy who voices? Right oh, Gene Shepard? Oh. Gene Shepard. And he, because he 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 wrote the original story. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, I forget. I forget what the name of it was. Something and something. All other pays cash. Gotcha. Um, uh, but that was the basis for the movie. And then, oh, that's in very this, interesting. Yeah. In this scene, um, when he when uh, Ralphie and Randy first go to the, the line, and Here he comes, the guy he's goes, climbing up the ramp now. The smile. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Boom! <laughs> Down <laughs> comes the hammer. Comes the boot to the head. Ho oh. ho ho ho! <laughs> and just that resignation. Uh, so good. Please continue. What you were saying about? Uh, oh, um, in in that scene when he when he first goes up to the line, he's like, "Oh, it's not too bad." And the guy goes, "Hey, kid, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm in line to see Santa." He's like, "The line." It's, it starts. It starts back there. here. Yeah. <laughs> the that guy is Gene Shepard. He's oh, the, he's the right? guy that does. He's yeah. The, the oh, narrator. Oh shit! That's great. That's a, that's a good bit of uh, trivia right there. Yes. He he's so, the narrator, huh? He is the narrator for the. And if you, you if you, I can kind of I can picture it though. Actually, if yeah, head. if you're listening, if you listen to it, yeah, you, can, you if you close your eyes and just hear him, you're like oh, yep, that's the next guy. Christmas. The guy. I'll I'll be definitely listening for that. Yep. It's good stuff. All right, so uh, Christmas so Story, number uh, seven. a classic 80s movie that's set oh, in the yeah. 50s. That's uh, just, you know, just, God, the leg, Timeless. The Timeless. My father was an Oldsmobile man. That's like one of my favorite lines. Like, I love that. It doesn't make any sense, but I love it so much. But it, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, number eight. Number eight. So, like, I actually have 12 choices, so I have to narrow a couple down here. Um, okay. Um, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and choose this one here. So again, 1988, another late 80s film, uh, starring a couple of 80s movie masters, a couple of actors who were in a lot of 80s movies, uh, Dan Aykroyd one, and John Candy the other. I'm talking about the Great Outdoors. Nice. And in the Great Outdoors, you have um John Candy, who's 
uh, white, well, he has a brother-in-law, Roman, played by Dan Aykroyd, who is, once again, as you so wonderfully described, he's, he, he epitomizes, he, he's the epitome of uh, the decadence of the 80s. Yes. And like, he's like stockbroker, greed, you know, he's all about the Rolls Royces and the Rolexes yeah. and business. And the, the scene that comes to mind, and it's a very 80s scene, is when they're sitting out on the, uh, the, the patio or the porch or whatever, and they're looking into the, the wonder, the wilderness, you know, yes. and they're looking at all the woods and, uh, Tom, you know, like not Tom, uh, uh, John, John Candy, Candy. He, he turns to, uh, Dan Acro and he's like, what do you see? And, and then you get this speech right here from, uh, it, I just call it the Roman speech. <laughs> yes. That was quite a surprise. I mean, here we yeah, go. I, I, you got me. <laughs> And in the whole week you'll be here. <laughs> okay. This is a movie that a lot of people oh, like. Wow. I feel like don't consider Just to be an '80s classic that I'm reading so anyway, in a lot of articles here man. recently. But I disagree. This is an '80s. Oh, uh, it totally is. Totally is. Not bad. Got a good life. Pretty good. Answer me one question. Dan Aykroyd was excellent at this character. This Aykroyd. Is great because it's such a juxtaposition of some of the other characters he's played. Yeah, he's the anti-Ray. Yeah, he's he's not innocent. He's not nice. Um, he's kind of he's a bully. He's a bully. He's a he's a he's a capitalist. He's 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 he's, he's going to take advantage. This is this is the closest I would say. Eighties greedy. The Irwin Mainway SNL character they played. Oh yes. I see it. Paper mills and if the strategic metals are there, a mining operation. This costume between the condos on the lake and a waste management facility, focusing on the newest. John Candy's just spacing out. Medical refuse. Yes. Infected bandages, body parts, IV tubing, contaminated glassware, entrails, syringes, fluid, blood, low-grade radioactive waste, all safely contained, sunken in the lake, and sealed for centuries. Now, I ask you, what do you see? I just see trees. <laughs> I, I just see uh, see trees. <laughs> well, no one ever the simplicity <laughs> of John Candy's comedy <laughs> just summed up. I just see trees. <laughs> no, but you were talking about the uh, what was this, the guy with the who made the toys? Er- Erwin Mainway. That, yeah, Irwin it's, Mainway. it's the same character. It is. It's the same character. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I was just uh, just I think blown one of my out favorites, in the eighties. <laughs> the, uh, the when they were doing Halloween costumes, and he was uh, yeah, the invisible pedestrian. <laughs> like this is nothing more than black clothes. It's like yeah, hey, yeah, it's but it's not for blind kids. See, it says clearly here on the back of the back of the package, not for blind kids. I miss you know. Dan Aykroyd, man. He was he's so good. I mean, we were talking about Dan Aykroyd and spies like us. Like he oh, he was such a serviceable, like number two comedic actor, you know? Yeah, he really was. And he's got such he's got such a range. You you would get him in main roles like My Stepmother's an Alien and that type of stuff, which I thought was fine. I liked those movies. But it it was these types of roles that just like really for me is the memorable Dan Aykroyd roles. And, he uh, he would feed he would feed off of somebody so much better than just having to organically dig it all up like make make the scene make because Bill Murray could command a whole scene Bill Murray had that he had that persona he had yes. that personality that he was just larger than the scene itself anyway so it's like yeah. just let Bill be himself well Dan Aykroyd was 
he he had a lot of range. I mean, because yeah. he could play a Ray Stance, he could play a Roman. He I liked play... him more as an innocent kind of like his yeah. Ray Stance is is really good. Like, I, there's two really good Dan Aykroyds. There's the Ray Stance, and then there's this Roman character who he was also like kind of played a similar character in Trading Places yes. with Eddie Murphy. You know, like he was kind of yep. like the uh, you know like the Ivy League educated. Uh, the snooty yeah, upper class. Right, right. Silver spoon in his mouth, yep. you know, like that kind of guy. So, but, you know, when it, when it comes to 80s and 80s moments, like that that speech, the Roman speech, just, it sums it up very, very well to me. Oh, absolutely. All right. Num- you're number eight, sir. Hit me. All right. My, num- my number eight, this, this is my John Hughes entry. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and, and I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get some John Hughes in here just because I gotta. Uh, and I think, I mean, it's, it, it's genuinely hard to really sift through and say which John Hughes is the most eighties because I don't I don't know that you could really peg one and say, oh, this one's clearly the most eighties. Not really, because I think what he did is he, I mean, he took he took the eighties and he just spread it across everything he did, and it was just it fit so well. Like cheese on a cracker. Oh, and <laughs> um, and so I I went with the Breakfast Club because that that one to me is just. It, because you have, because the in eighties movies, especially in school, you had all those clear divisions of the cliques. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was you know it, it's the, there's I mean it's it's always persisted in that in in that kind of environment in school because you have to define yourself based on something, and so people categorize themselves by the thing their interest, and so. That's how all the the groups are identified. But in the eighties, it was always it always felt like it was amped up. Like okay, these are the nerds. Everybody there has you know super nerdy glasses and super nerdy clothes and everything. Like you're oh clearly you're the nerds. Oh you're clearly the jocks. You're yeah. the popular. So everything was so you couldn't you know, be like in, in, nowadays. You can have like a nerdy jock, but you exactly. couldn't have a nerdy jock in the eighties. Like no. you were either a jock or a nerd. Exactly. There was no middle ground, you know. You weren't you weren't you weren't mixing groups, you weren't crossing lines like you belong to your clique and that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And this the, this, you know, in a in a thematic way really challenged that because you know, the dialogue throughout the movie was okay, you know, you have the outsider, you have the geek, you have the jock, you have the popular girl. You have all the all these different characters that have come together and because they're forced to be around each other the whole Saturday, they, they begin to form some semblance of a relationship. And it's, yeah. it's one of those like, it's not just, Oh, well let's just, you know, let's make to the best of today. It's like, no people, they were pretty open with each other. They were vulnerable. They, you know, and, and so you saw this idea of, well, what if we didn't just abide by these, this class structure that we have? What if we just, valued people and relationships based on who they were and, and how we interacted with them. And it was just, I mean, it's funny that it seemed like such a, a revolutionary idea, but really in eighties movies like this, the the idea of all these people being friends and, and they even, you know, covered at one point in the movie, like, well, we still be friends on Monday. Yeah. And, and you, you don't have know. Molly Ringwald like, no. And it's like, well, that's a shitty answer. It's like, yeah. why, why wouldn't we, why would that have to change? But so there's there's a lot of I mean I think there's a lot of really meaningful topics and I think especially when we get around to doing a John Hughes episode like our Kevin Smith one which I'm sure is somewhere in our future because yes, there's just so much to. good John Hughes we have to, yeah. that you know, we would have to cover that 
But one of my favorite scenes, and it's because it's uh, <laughs> because it's John Bender uh, sneaking his way back into the uh, um, the library once he's been kicked out by Principal um, was it Principal Vernon? Yeah, um, and he comes crashing through the ceiling tiles, and Vernon comes running in. <laughs> And the and he's like, what what was what was that ruckus? He's like, could right. you describe the ruckus? Right. I just love the line. Could you describe the could ruckus? Could you describe sir? the ruckus? I I really like this scene too because this is sort of the scene where, uh, the, the 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 clicks the different clicks although very different, they they come together because the greater evil is Principal Vernon, right. <laughs> easily. Yeah, I do really enjoy this scene. And, and The Breakfast Club, I think, is... I think it's my favorite John Hughes movie uh, of, like, that high school yeah. era. You know, like, I... I, I think lo- it is, too. It's it's so good. And uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead and play the ruckus scene. And we'll see if we get any man-shaving. Jesus Christ Almighty! <laughs> Paul Gleason. <laughs> Forgot my pencil. I love it. Forgot my pencil. Like they all hate his guts, but they're going to come yeah. for him. And he goes under the desks. Yeah. Under Molly's desk. God's under Molly Ringwald. What's going yeah. on in here? <laughs> what was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? <laughs> I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. <laughs> Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Uh, <laughs> Could you describe <laughs> the ruckus, sir? <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall. He's just. Ugh. I have a lot of fun. I, I love what, Anthony. What the, Anthony Michael Hall. Noise? God. What noise? And there's there's the panty shot. <laughs> and he like goes ah, into ah, it. Ah, <laughs> You're gonna go and stop it right there. Jesus I, Christ. I think, do yourself a favor if you if for some oh, if there's some like in some weird crazy insane world you haven't seen The Breakfast Club, uh, check it out. It, yes. It, and even if you have and it's been a while, watch it again. Go ahead and watch it again, right? It's so good. It is the best uh Johnny's movie in my in my opinion. And it's like the quintessential high school movie. And if you've ever been into in detention, uh I I was only in detention once ever my senior year, right at the end of the year. Uh it you you think of this movie, like you feel like this is what detention's gonna be like. <laughs> this movie prepares you for detention. And it's just so wonderful. And uh, yeah, can you describe the ruckus from Anthony Michael Hall? And you get you get a pre-Gordon Bombay Emilio Estevez. That's true. You do. You do. So, and I think that you know, we in a future in a future episode we're going to talk about uh, a movie that's going to feature Molly Ringwald. Um, I've never been the biggest Molly Ringwald fan. This this is my this is the most I've been able to stomach her. <laughs> I think this is, I think, I think this is the most enjoyable she is. And I, th- I yeah. think this is, I think this is the most, um, like whatever appeal she had. Mm-hmm. I mean, because she very, I mean, her and Anthony Michael Hall were very much kind of, and the John brain Hughes, they're all kind of tied of together. John Hughes, the, yeah. the three of them, yeah. um, really, you know, just kind of epitomize this whole era of yeah. filmmaking. Oh Yeah. And in that, it's like I think this is the most appealing that their leagues Ringwald more. Is. Yeah, their leagues more appealing in this movie than they yeah. are in like a Sixteen Candles, for example. Yep. Or Anthony Pretty Michael Hall, in, in fact, is so much more grown up feeling. Yeah. In, in, in this movie, even though there's only like a year difference. Oh, and he has some of the he has some of the best <laughs> best lines. 
I bet your dad is Mr. Rogers. No, it's Mr. Johnson. All the kids are very empathetic in this movie. Oh, yes. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a great choice. Uh, when you're talking eight, most 80s, 80 scenes, can you describe the ruckus, sir? <laughs> can you describe the ruckus, sir? Oh, Anthony Michael Hall, you're All right, fantastic. let's see. Do I, well, I have two left to go. Two left. Two, two left. left. All right, so... Um, mm, 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 okay, okay. So a lot of my movies, as you may have noticed, have been late 80s, uh, circa late 80s fair. Uh, as you know, you talk about like you once once you're getting into the late 80s, you're firmly established in the 80s. So this particular movie was probably it probably did the most for film to establish the 80s than anything else in in music or or TV anything like th- this movie helped establish what the 80s were would become. And uh, it's it's a great great film. Uh, it it stars. Um, it's from 1982. It has Judge Reinhold in it. We were just talking about him and, and Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I'm talking about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I was hoping that I've, I've I was hoping that this one would make the list. Oh, and I'm glad God. that it did. It, it's it's so beautifully 80s. Like it's perfect. I, I just man, God bless this movie. So good. Amy Heckerling, who was I think the director yep. of this movie. Uh, yep. She she did. Um, uh, let's see. Let's. She did Wayne's World, right? I think she did Wayne's World, yeah. the first Wayne's World, and I think she also did the Beverly Hills or the Beverly Hillbillies movie. And let's see, uh, did she do Clueless? Was she was she the Clueless? Maybe uh, also. I'm, I'm not sure. I I sorry if I I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is just it, it's 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 like. The tail end of the seventies, leading into the eighties, it's the first big eighties movie in my in my opinion. And she did do Clueless, by the way. I okay, thank you, thank you for checking that out. So, when I think of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like the character that like sticks out probably more than any other else is Spicoli, the character Spicoli, Jeff Spicoli, in, in his interactions with Mister Hand, uh, the teacher, Mister Hand's history class. <laughs> uh, I, I just love it. Uh, I'm not the biggest Sean Penn fan in the whole wide world. Like I don't, there's, there's like a weird sort of pretentiousness to his, his roles and his acting and oh, I, his, uh, yeah, his method acting. Yeah. His method acting. And, and sometimes like it works. Like I, I dig it. And he's, he's a great actor. He's a generational actor, you know, especially when it comes to the eighties, but like his Spicoli is just so, so wonderfully eighties. And it it's like that, like California, you know, like, a kind of a, a precursor to the Bill and Ted, oh yeah, kind of language, you know, like it, it was just bef- bef- way before Bill and Ted, way before like, you know, you got like your Ocean Pacific and all those clothes, <laughs> like we're talking county oh, seat, yes. and you were talking like George, like you know, like when I think seat. of like late eighties, like I'm thinking Ocean Pacific, I'm thinking jams, you <laughs> know, like you're talking about all those clothing, those lines, it was, it was all based on that. Uh, Southern California culture, and this this started like way back in the early '80s, and Spigoli was like the guy. So when I think of like most '80s '80s moments, uh, it's the scene where Spigoli first meets Mr. Hand, and uh, you know he's going to the classroom, and he's got the class schedule, and he's rolling in late, and Mr. Hand like rips up the the schedule, and uh, you know like Spicoli's like you dick <laughs> like i just love the way he says it it's like so great 
it, like everything about this movie is great too. It's like even even that scene before that where they're like in the van and they're like stoned and getting stoned, like they're rolling out of the van, like falling onto the ground. And you know, like Spicoli's like walking around with like the open shirt. It, it's just like oh, the yeah. whole like Southern California thing. I mean, he embodied it. Yeah, he, he, he did. He he took all that and just stuffed it inside Jeff Spicoli and then put it up on screen. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it, it didn't matter where you were in America. Like you could have been a little kid growing up in Minnesota or, or in Kentucky or, or Pennsylvania or New York, whatever. Like if you were like in the eighties, you, you kind of had this whole California dreaming sort of, yeah. uh, you know, like lifestyle. There was an appeal to that whole lifestyle that there really was free living, like, you know, ride the wave living on the beach. Exactly. Exactly. And Spicoli was, he, he just, like you said, he embodied it and there's tons and tons of great scenes with Spicoli. I just, I just picked one. I love the pizza delivery scene. That's yes, a great one. I was hoping that, I was hoping that's what you're going with. <laughs> that's that not the scene favorite. I went with. No. Yeah. It's the scene oh. where he like shows up and he's got like a bagel tucked in his shorts. Yes. Like, so many great scenes, but no, th- this is just the, this is the Spicoli meets Mr. Hand scene. So I'll go ahead and play that. Wait, you hear the bell? Oh, this is where they like fall out of the 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 the, the sixty nine Volkswagen. Spicoli, I love it. You get used to doing your own business on your own time. That's one demand I here's, make. Here's Spicoli knocking on the door. Just He's got like the bleached out hair. Some evening and discuss U.S. history on your. Here's Ali Sheedy. Yes, sir. No, no, not Ali Sheedy. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, yeah. Stone since the third grade. <laughs> Yes. A young yeah, Forrest Whitaker in this, this film, class. too. That's right. What class? This is U.S. He's history. the football star. Globe right there. Really? <laughs> I knew guys oh, like this. Please. Like Spicoli. I, I, so I, I grew up with I guys like this. Even in Kentucky, I grew up with guys I think, I think that was the thing, is like, the the Sorry, the idea like of a Spicoli could exist totally anywhere. Somebody could, because there there were people that want. I mean, like you could yeah, still. I, get, I mean, you could still go. You go online right now and buy Jeff Spicoli shoes. Spicoli. That's the name they gave me. <laughs> hey, you're ripping my car. Yeah. Hey, bud, what's your problem? No problem at all. I think you know where the front office is. I love this scene. You dick! <laughs> I have taken the time to print up a complete schedule of class quizzes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Spigoli. I love Spigoli. I want to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High right now. <laughs> I, I was I was curious when you said Fast Times if you would go with the Phoebe Kate scene or not. Oh, yeah, right. The the Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, That's, what, what was the song, like, moving in stereo? Like, they actually, uh, like, used that song in the uh, Stranger, Sing, Stranger Things season three. Yeah. With the brother, and he walks out, and, like, uh, all the middle-aged women are gawking. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. No, no. There, when you talk Fast Times at Ridgemont High, there's one of probably 12 scenes you could choose as yes. iconic 80s scenes. I love the scene where um, Damone is, um, you know, he's giving advice to his buddy, his nerdy friend, and Ali Sheedy yes. is, like, really interested in her. And he he's like gives him the advice like okay what, what was the like play this track it's like a Led Zeppelin track and he it's cashmere yeah. and he's like playing you know he's like driving in the car all tense 
and there's like a couple of kids going on an adult date. Like, oh my God, everything about the movie is just phenomenal. We should it do a whole entire fantastic. episode on Fast Times at Bridgemont. We, oh, we easily could, easily. <laughs> it was a great movie. And and it's so ahead of its time. Like, uh, you know, it really was. It, it is the first major, in my mind, pop culture 80s thing to happen in film. Yeah. And uh, all the way back in 1982. 82. All right. What's your number uh, nine, sir? Number you got, nine. You got two more. I got two more. Um, and and they're they're big one. This um, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bill and Ted because I think that just follows suit pretty well with Spicoli because they are what Spicoli was at the beginning of the '80s. Bill and Ted, I think, firmly represented by the end of the '80s. That is an excellent that, excellent bridge. Over yes, the because they they just you know that because that's. It's funny to see how Keanu Reeves has evolved in his career. Yeah. Because I think there's a part of everybody that knows Keanu Reeves that will always think of him he's as Ted. Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah, he's Ted Theodore Logan for sure. And, oh, dude. Whoa. You know. Yeah. And he's he just that But that isn't it amazing surfer. that like Spicoli began in like 1982 in earnest, like that stereo, that oh, archetype yeah. character? And it, it continued on almost into the 90s with like Ninja Turtles yeah. and stuff. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, even when, when you're talking about, I mean, Clueless, while it wasn't as prominent of a character, mm-hmm. I mean, there were still iterations of a Spicoli. I mean, Brecken Meyer's Breck character. Brecken Meyer's character, that's right. He was very right. much, he was very much an offshoot of a Jeff Spicoli. Yes. I mean, that whole, yes. you know, that stoner, slacker culture, you know, still permeated. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not as front and center. I mean, Spicoli was, you know, kind of a tour de force in that there movie. There was some and, Spicoli in him for sure. Oh yeah, and so at the end of the eighties, you have what's I mean, you your have these problem, two... bud? <laughs> <laughs> you dick! You dick! <laughs> oh, I was just—he—he he was such—he was such a great. How did he character. become so serious? I don't understand. How did he become That's, so serious? That was Jeff Spicoli. Yeah, I guess so. And <laughs> and then when it, could, it by the time. I rolled around and we got to Bill and Ted. Yep. You had you had these two guys who were and it's it's just it's so funny that you when you think about the plight of of some of these movies, like, oh, you know, what what how are we going to overcome this obstacle? And the obstacle is passing school. Yeah. How are we going to pass history class? It's like <laughs> to overcome dullness, basically. It's like um <laughs> Okay, so you guys have clearly not done anything the entire time. You're getting ready to graduate, and now all of a sudden it's a surprise. Maybe we won't graduate because we're <laughs> going to get a bad grade in history. Right. And I just, I think it's just so great. Like that, that is the how will we ever overcome this? Like, well, um, probably either summer school or you will repeat the year next. That, yeah, those are the yeah. Con- you could, you could, like you that's could the visit up Dan Harmon or no, not, not Dan Harmon. Uh, Oh gosh, it was it was summer school. Oh, you know what I'm talking um, about. Yeah, Mark Harmon. Mark, Mark Harmon, summer you. school. <laughs> so it's it's one of those was like you know the, Shoop. in in the way of consequences. Like I think this would be relatively minimal. So yeah, how no do we doubt, how no do doubt. we amp it up? Well, if these guys don't pass school, then they won't become rock gods, <laughs> and that will disrupt the balance of time. <laughs> the balls of these writers, man. 
it's just and they're just like okay this is how this is how we're gonna roll with it oh, if okay. these guys don't pass history class then they civilization as we stars. know it will just come to a crashing halt oh jesus which is why and, I can't wait for Bill and Ted face the music. Like I gotta see I, how I, this how this ties together. <laughs> it's I mean like damn you COVID nineteen and coronavirus. You just keep ruining everything. Yeah, that's what, that's what twenty twenty one to figure out how this is gonna end. And it, it's uh, it's fun. Ed Solomon who is one of the, one of the writers of Bill and Ted mm. um, did a, he, he did uh, Men in Black. He's done he's done a few things. It's it's just, it's just it's funny because it's like I mean he like the as ridiculous as the premise is you'd really be hard pressed to find somebody that was like that would I mean that would legitimately dog on Bill and Ted like somebody's like oh Bill and Ted that's such a stupid movie like no. who the hell do you think you are this is Bill and Ted that's like saying your childhood was stupid <laughs> yeah it's like no this is Bill and Ted I mean like everything everything that they did and it's it's funny because like. You know I, what I what I what I need to do is I need to go through and watch it and like try and kind of eye the dimensions of this um, this phone booth because it feels like in the beginning it's a regular phone booth but by the end of it you're like there's 15 people in this phone booth <laughs> just hanging out of this thing <laughs> how big is this phone booth at this I, point I, it's not just a regular it's not a regular phone booth it's it's, it's not your average run of the mill <laughs> something is afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> Classic um, line. But the, I can't the, drive it, past the Circle K and not think of oh, it. Oh, you, you, I mean, it is. It's just that, that there's so many things about this movie that, you know, that are just embedded in 80s memory. And so, I mean, hey, Stacy, I mean, mom. <laughs> Dude, your mom. Dude, not cool. <laughs> there's, and then I love that they just trade it up in the second one of his exactly. Ted's mom. Yeah, That's yeah, like, yeah. it's just. So I mean, it's, it's Bill's mom. <laughs> it's, it's just so it's so great, and um, and so it it all culminates in this this massive history project where they have all of these people they've mm-hmm. they've completely Joan of Arc, everything that they did that that Endgame <laughs> Avengers yes. Endgame did to try and talk about time travel. It's like Bill and Ted's like no, this is we can take everybody out Billy of time and just yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally. everything's fine. And it's like that won't shitty facts and links. Yeah, like and, and you got Costume Napoleon store. with the oh, uh, what was Ziggy Piggy doing yeah, the ice yeah, cream? Yeah, Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Napoleon. Was, I mean, there's so many. I mean, so crates. I mean, even just the. I mean, the things Waterloo. that came out of this movie. Like, everything. Everything about this movie is just so great. It, it's so it, it's eighties. It's just times a hundred for sure. It went. You know. That's because, and, and I know you mentioned it earlier. It's like when you're starting up the day, like movies. Because I even I thought about doing Caddyshack for the list, mm. and it may pop up in some other because it was 1980. Yeah, but it's when I was like, usually that you know that first year of the decade, right. you know, for 80, 81. Right, like you could still count them as 80s movies, but like you're still kind of processing. It has out the, the heart end of the, the 70s, and it's still yeah, yeah, and so it's like. But the, so you get geared up at the beginning and you really get some, you know, like in the 82, 83, you get some great, uh, you know, we're right. transitioning like even movies into like airplane, which like have a ton of jokes yeah. that are like relevant to the seventies, you know, like exactly. staying alive and things like exactly. that. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's hard to pick some of those. So by the time you get to 88 and 89, which mm-hmm. we've had several here, your at cliches the end of list, are firmly entrenched. Like you, like you got them down. This 80s culture. Yeah. Like we, this is eight. this is so eighties at this point. Well, so that's Bill why so many of my movies are like 86, 87, 88. Exactly. Yeah. 
because you're you're firmly cementing what the 80s are by that point. And so exactly. the end of this, the end of the movie, when they're giving their presentation, <laughs> I think the clip that I have, I think it starts with Abraham Lincoln, which I think he was probably my favorite. You know, he has the best line in the entire presentation, <laughs> anyways. All but right, like their ahead. presentation is is what it culminates in. All right, I'll go ahead and play the clip. And now for our last speaker. No ad. One no of ad. the greatest presidents in American history. Bill's crop top. <laughs> yes. Abraham. The midriff. The <laughs> Bill midriff. <laughs> and the t-shirt and the, and the shirt tied around the waist. Oh, classic. There's, that, there's Abe. That stuff top hat and the stuff pipe hat. Great. Great. Man. There's an 80s crowd of, of high school students. Four score and seven minutes ago, we, your forefathers, were brought forth upon a most excellent adventure, <laughs> conceived by our new the 80s. friends, Bill and Ted. Look at Keanu. It's like, how do you take the Gettysburg Address and make it better? Here's how. Are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time, just as it's true today. (laughs) The crowd's like, what the fuck? What's he going to say? Is this going to get excellent or what? Be excellent to each other. (laughs) Party on, dude! Party on! That is, and that is just, that is so, be excellent to each other and party on. If that is not the the entire movie summed up in one sentence. Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. know what it is. And it's just so, and Abraham Lincoln delivering it at this, this I, I, I've never had a history final that was anything like where you got to no, get up on no. stage and deliver it to the entire That's not school. That's how history finals normally work. That's not. It's usually like a written test exactly. in a small classroom, <laughs> and then once you've taken There's that, no you've auditorium. done auditorium. No, that's not that's not been my experience ever. But uh, hey, that's how they dress it up for Bill and Ted. So that's my that's my number nine. All right, all right. So I got one left, right? Yep. Uh, Closing in on the end. I got a couple to choose from here. So you know, you there there was an excellent mall scene in in Bill and Ted that I, I really enjoyed, and I I could pick uh, a mall scene uh, from uh, one of my. F- remaining choices but it's mostly audio so i won't i won't do that um one of my only one of my few choices that i've left that actually has mostly dialogue i'm gonna go ahead and go with it so uh my final most 80s 80s movement most 80s 80s moment <laughs> clips gonna be from 1988 another late 80s uh it, it's it's from crocodile dundee 2 noise uh, so yeah, you, you got your Australian stereotypes going on. Like that was a very eighties thing. Like eight Australians were, were huge. Oh yeah. Mick Dundee, huge, but also the huge. quintessential. There, there was a, there's a couple other things at play here that makes this clip so perfectly eighties. Uh, you got Japanese tourists. Oh yeah. Gotta have those. Gotta have Japanese tourists and obsession with Clint Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> There's more 80s, just classic 80s. So that is a great 80s cliche. We, we got we got um we got obsession with Australia. 
Japanese tourists and also obsession with Clint Eastwood. So this is the scene where in um there there's a there's a subway, right? There's a subway scene. Yes. And uh, there's the villain. Uh he he spots uh Mick and he's got the jump on him, right? And uh, you know, like there's a kind of whole like turn of the like, you know, that's not a knife, like the whole scene, like from the first yes. Crocodile Dundee movie. And if it it's weren't for a, a couple of rogue Japanese tourists who 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 just show up with their camera, uh, this scene could have played out much differently for Mick. But it, but thankfully for us, it it didn't. And I'm just gonna go ahead and play this scene now. Wait, you hear the bell? Oh no! Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. That's uh, that's that's not the right scene. Here we go. Here we go. No commercial. Now that yes. There's the ponytailed villain. Good villain needs a ponytail. Oh, for sure. That is a big knife, to be fair. Now, I never saw the third Crocodile Dundee. Did you ever see that? Was that the uh, the uh, Los Angeles? Los Angeles, yeah. That one came out like 2000, 2001. Something like that, right, right. I don't, I don't think I ever saw that one. In fact, I would it would probably do me service to go back and rewatch one and two because I think some of them bleed over into each other. Here's a completely different set of Japanese tourists, by the way. They hand Mick the camera. Oh, he, he flashes him. There's a subway shootout. God, this, this scene just, like, is so 80s. This dirty New York subway. <laughs> That was back when New, when New York really was still just a dirty, dirty place. Yeah, to this be. is pre Giuliani cleaning up New yeah. York. Look at look at these Japanese businessmen. So the ponytailed villain is trying to find Mick. He's giving him the slip. But unbeknownst to the ponytailed villain, there's the Japanese tourists. We take the picture. Nick comes up behind, throws the garbage can, karate kick. <laughs> karate kick. Right now. Thank you. Slap me five. Slap me five. Oh, God. Here we go. You know who that was? Clint Eastwood. Yeah, the Australian guy, like all the leather, was for sure Clint Eastwood. <laughs> So that's my final most 80s. That is that is a great way to to bring the, this list to a close. But but again, you you kind of see where my list is coming from. Like oh, I, totally. I, tr- I tried taking as many 80s cliches as possible and picking the most cliche of the cliches. And uh, and 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 perhaps in our next list, I'll go about it a different route. Uh, but that that's where my head was when I was think, coming coming well, up with my list. That's that's the thing that's that's funny about it. I mean, like really, really and truly, like when you go through, because even even when I was starting up, I was like, okay, I had movies that were popping in my head. But I'm like, all right, I just googled most iconic '80s movies, and yeah. like you, when you do that, I mean, you get lists like two, three hundred movies, right, of right. the most iconic '80s movies. Oh yeah, and then to like try and whittle that down to, okay, there's two hundred movies here. Let me pick ten scenes, right? You're like, okay, I mean, there's, I mean, there's hundreds of movies that embody the entire because. I don't think uh, thinking. I don't think either one of us picked 
um, anything from a horror movie, and you had you no, know, the height of Jason and Freddy, yeah, yeah. which were huge. I mean, like oh, there's yeah. whole Slasher sections. Were, yeah, Freddy yeah, and 80s. Jason, the, oh, Mike that was Myers. a huge thing in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. 80s was the haven for slashers, and so mm-hmm. there's so much 80s to cover. And it's just I like to try and cover it all, even in 20 scenes, you know, giving people 20 movies. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're barely scratching the surface. Yeah. I just stopped it. Um, I said before, like, I only picked 10. I, I actually got 12, but uh, I mean, I could say those other two for a future episode. But, you know, like, it, it's going to be tricky to, to have overlap in these because, like, even if you stumble upon a same movie, and even, I don't think we ever, I don't even think we did the same movie. I think maybe we touched upon the same franchise, but not yeah. exactly the same movie. But like, nope. there, you know, there's just the, the, the possible, the probability of you coming up with the exact same scene. It's pretty remote. So yeah, we, it we, would be, it would, that'd be pretty remarkable if we did that. Not saying we couldn't, but no, it's remarkable. possible. It's possible. Cause we got the same mind going on there. And, I, but, but I would like to, I would like to further this, topic this idea of maybe even doing like most 90s scene like yes. maybe even most 70s who knows we can have a lot of oh fun yeah with this. We, there's all kinds of different places you can take and we could i mean we could even drill it down a little further if we wanted to do 80s action movies 80s comedies for sure seven you know we you, sure. you could take it all kinds of different ways that's most the fun part about schwarzenegger schwarzenegger yes. line <laughs> oh and because there's plenty of those oh there are there's plenty of those plenty indeed but we're down right. to our final most 80s the 80s final scene. one. And that I'll leave that to you. I, I let it off, but you get to we save the best for last. So uh, and and it worked it worked out well because we started with John Hughes and we're we're closing uh, we're closing with John Hughes. I had a second Hughes on my list. Very fitting. And we've and we've talked about this movie a couple times. I think it made it I know it made it to the Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I think it popped up either well, one it's or so two good other times. It warrants mentioning it's, many times it's just one of those movies like i can't i can't get away from it it's planes trains and automobiles yeah if we ever did and like I mean, a favorite road trip movies like this would also fall this into that. It's, i can like a movie like this and this this isn't this i mean this movie wasn't like this is the first ever you know buddy road trip movie but i, I think it's one of those like i i credit us having movies like tommy boy mm-hmm. because we had planes trains and automobiles that's true and so um and when you put Steve Martin and John Candy, I mean, two, I mean, just of the giants of comedy At in the, the 1980s, the top of their game, combine that with John Hughes. And I just, it's one of those, I'm like, and so, you know, there's, there, and there's so many great scenes you can go with it in the movie, mm-hmm. but I clearly had to go with those aren't pillows. <laughs> because I think that's that whole. It, it kind of is the scene that stands out in a lot of people's it, minds. It is. I mean, like the uh, all of the dialogue. From, I mean, just you you get because one of the things that I love about John Candy because uh, I, I I forget I feel like there was a third one that I realized, but like between this movie and between um, his role in Home Alone, mm-hmm. I was like, this man has the such Kenosha a penchant. Yeah. <laughs> like he meets strangers. And just rides across the country with them, mm. like that. Like he's just like, oh, hey, Steve Martin. We were on the. You remember when we were sitting on the plane together? Remember when I stole your taxi earlier? How about we travel the country together? And he hmm? wants to be your friend so bad. He, oh, he <laughs> and and he's like every. I mean, everything along the way is just. And and I think what's great about it is, is it really it culminates not just in like you know oh one big laugh at the end. 
as like, and I think what even kind of differentiates this a little bit for me from something like a Tommy boy mm. is it, is it ends on such a really sweet note Yeah, where yeah. he's welcoming him in, into his home at Thanksgiving time. Oh, where he's like, clutching the teddy bear and stuff. Oh, I mean, just like the, the whole thing is like, okay, you've had all these ups and downs. You've had these crazy couple of days, you know, and you, you know, getting, getting home for Thanksgiving is like, ah, oh, am I going to make it? Is he not? And then you have this revelation at the end, like, oh, he doesn't have anybody to go home to. I'm going to come back and get him and we're going to, and that was one of the things I think that John Hughes really did is like, he could, he was such a master of making comedy relatable that everybody was like, Oh, I totally get that. I totally get all this. I can totally relate to that and laugh at it and still have, I mean, just, just ooze heart. And so I think that's why this is one of those movies. It's a tricky line to, 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 to walk when you're John Candy's character, because to me, when you think of Gus, um, like, and that was his character, right? Gus, I think, or no, um, no, that I, I might be thinking of Home Alone. Yeah, uh, that was Dale, Gus Walensky. Dale, yeah, yeah, Doug uh, Griffith. So, like, like he's he's clearly like a character that you're supposed to be frustrated with, and yes, you know, you you shouldn't like him, but it's it's like like the better seasons of The Office with Michael Scott, where yes, you know, he he's so he, he's so overbearing and so over the top and clearly wrong a lot of the times and you know but but at the same time there's like a lot of heart there and you just want to yeah. you want to like the guy even though there's like clearly something wrong with him something off with him um, you have you have those moments you have those you know as you're walking through this desert of why on earth would I spend any time with this person they're so obnoxious you come to these these personality oasises where it's like, you see this, the, the real person, you see this value. And you're like, ah, dang it. You're, you're like, I really want to hate you yeah. because you're so obnoxious, but you're such a sweet person. You you're such a good well. guy. You, you yeah. It's like well. you, Oh, you were trying really hard. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, I can't help, but you know, feel bad for you or yeah. love you or, you know, all right, let's keep going. What, what does it say about me to, to dislike someone who's, who's trying so hard. He has such a good heart. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the, you know, early, early on in the film, you get, you get the strong, the, probably the strongest of, I mean, you have, I mean, <laughs> the, the other scene that you could go with, it's pretty iconic is when, um, between Steve Martin and Edie McClurg, when, Oh God, he, the fucking, the, the scene that got the movie, it's R rating. Yeah, right. Um, the but, scene that uh, had me running at the video store. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just put this movie on. Yeah. Uh, I, but I yeah. remember it being such a such a like clean cut, wholesome movie. Like, and you're like, oh, that one scene. Oh, no. Oh, shit. I forgot about this scene. No, but the, those aren't pillows. And like, because they're, they're kind of stuck in the, uh, the motel. The motel. And they only have one bed. And John Candy's like using up all the, the towels in the shower. Like, it, it's, <gasps> it's so good. I, think, but, I mean, because like, I think that's the thing is like, that's what immediately makes it so like, not even just the fact that like you're traversing the country of this person. It's like, you've gone back to a hotel room with a strange man and you're sharing a bed. You're sharing a bed. Like, okay, this is, we're way out in left field already. Let's right. roll with it. Let's play that clip. <laughs> no, no ad. All right. The last three, no ads. Junk candy in his jammies. <laughs> Just snuggled up with Steve Martin. <laughs> S- 
spooning. <laughs> Where's your brother? That mustache. He's like nuzzling his ear with his nose. <laughs> They're coming too. That was a good night's realize. sleep, though. Really, oh. it's like the oh, Friends yeah. episode when oh. like Joey and Ross have here? the nap on the couch, and they're just yes. like, it's a really good nap. Why are you holding my hand? <laughs> Where's your other hand? Between, Between two, two pillows. pillows. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve Martin does the great little. Day. It's like it like reminds ah, me of the Fernigos, like where they drink the, see that, the whiskey or whatever. Did you see that game the other day? Yeah, it was a, it was a good game. Good oh, game. those bears! Yeah. <laughs> you immediately have to shake off whatever implications. Yeah, we or, we're not gay. Yeah, that's like very no, no, no. It's totally hetero. Everything here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, 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 no. Couldn't be more eighties. We're not gay, right? No homo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. a great choice and a great movie and a great way to end this episode. Oh God! If uh, I, I I don't know how to. I mean, there you go. There you have it. That's 20, it. Twenty That's scenes. The 80s. Like you didn't get any overlap at all. We didn't shortchange no. you one bit. And uh, as far as far as this pizza presentation goes, you you're over two hours. You're nearing three hours of 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 just eighties pure content. 80s-ness. Yeah, <laughs> you had a little bit of comedy. You had a little bit of action. Uh, you had a little bit of Schwarzenegger. You had a little bit of Stallone. <laughs> well, kind of. But uh, in the end. Uh, what else can we say? But though that that wraps it up. That's the end of our yeah, feature presentation. I hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, keep an eye out. Keep an ear out for future uh, iterations of most '80s '80s moments. Uh, don't know when it's going to happen again because we got lots of other scenes we'd like to get to. Uh, Adam's got a whole, just a whole notebook filled with ideas, and uh, I really enjoy doing these episodes. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to these episodes. And if nothing else, you're gonna get twenty ideas. Like, just you're you're gonna have twenty movies to go back and rewatch and and revisit. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what the uh, whole idea of an episode like this is. Like, you know, like I forgot about that scene. I want to go back and watch that movie again. Is that that? I mean, when we're talking about these things, that's what happens to me all the time. Like, I'll think about it and like mention a scene, or even just when we get into a tangent, it's like, oh man, it's been forever since I watched that. Exactly. And then I was like, I need to go watch that and. That prompts me to go pop it back in. Yep, and I, you know, like like you, I pro- you probably own most of these movies, like I do. Yep, and I'll have to pop them back in because I mean, like '80s movies are just my heart. I love a lot of. You them. can't go wrong. No, you can't. And uh, I mean, as as great as I think '90s movies are, and current movies, like I I can like most things in in pop culture, like music, don't stay up to date with it. <laughs> TV no. is like kind of iffy, you know, like if it's like Netflix or something, I might be a little bit up to date, but movies, I still stay current, uh, but it's the only thing I stay current with. So, yeah, you know, like going back to the eighties is sort of where my whole movie romance began and uh, probably similar for you too. Like you, you've filled in a lot of those blank, like blind yeah. spots, you know, with movies from the sixties and fifties and whatever, but you know, it kind of began in the eighties. So. You know, that's home. That's it, where, yeah. yeah, that's where it, it all started. Is. It's it's where the it's it's where the heart is. You can always go home. You can always go home, and I'm always willing to talk about movies from the '80s. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but that's all we have for this particular episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I have been drinking bourbon, and I've been one of your hosts, the Rental King, the host on the left, Ron Avis. 
And I have been your host to the north, Adam Peterson. And what is it you like to say? Catch you on the flip side? Catch you on the flip side. All right.